Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to On Point. This episode, I sit down with Mike and Ryan from Feel the Pursuit, which is a company online uh, course that you can take and you can learn about mindset, fueling your body, nutrition. You can also learn about um, um, workouts and fitness, and it's kind of an all-encompassing thing to help you perform better in the backcountry. And my favorite part of this whole course has been learning more about the psychology of actually making decisions, why you make short-term versus long-term decisions, short-term thinking versus long-term, and why you know maybe impulsive decisions. And, and it just helped me learn more about myself and my brain, and, and I loved it because the better I can understand why I'm doing things that I do helps me make changes easier and actually recognize why I'm maybe making a mistake and then fix it real time. And so I think this is extremely valuable for me personally. I hope you guys are able to use it as I have. And I look forward to maybe having these guys on again, as they said, as they start their actual um, food prep, um, basically line of, of uh, products later in the year. And uh, great company so far that I, I really like Ryan and, and Mike and what they're doing and where they're at and what they're providing hunters and, and uh, just all the coaching involved. I really like it. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you guys haven't yet, be sure to leave a review. If you've got some time, uh, iTunes, uh, we're on Pandora now, so we're pretty much everywhere. So even on YouTube, I even upload every every episode onto YouTube. You can go to On Point with Garrett Weaver on YouTube um, if you want to do. They're all audio, none of them are video, but if you want to do, just be able to absorb or listen to the content in different ways or on different devices. Um, Pandora to YouTube, anywhere in between, we're there and happy to provide the content and uh, just really appreciate everybody listening to every episode. So outside of that, guys, I will see you at the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Well, I'm ready to get this thing rolling. What about you guys? Good Sounds to go, good. Yep. All right. Well, um, I appreciate you both for, for coming on to the show, man. And, and uh, if, if you guys want to give yourselves both, uh, Ryan, we'll start with you kind of an elevator sales pitch of who you are, your background, what do you do? And then we'll start diving into uh, to the podcast here. All right. So uh, my name is Ryan Muncy. Um, man, I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll, I'll start with, uh, you know, I've been an athlete my entire life. Um, and uh, I wasn't good enough to, to be an athlete when I was in college. Um, I had to good fortune of being able to go to Clemson University. And uh, I got to learn sports performance, human performance, um, uh, up close and personal with uh, my best friend who was on the track team. Um, so a lot of what I learned about how to train, how to sprint, uh, how to you know do all that stuff came from people that were already training Olympic athletes. Um, I got a degree in food science and human nutrition from Clemson. Um, so what that means is if I had done the internship after school, I would be a registered dietitian, uh, but I didn't agree with what we were taught in school. Um, we can talk about that when we get into the nutrition section, but anybody that knows anything about um, nutrition understands that or probably has an inkling that um, what we're told in the mass media does not agree with what we know from a scientific standpoint. And I just didn't want to be a part of that orthodoxy. Um, and um, uh spent some time in bodybuilding and uh, ended up uh, as a personal trainer for a few years before opening my own facility. So I ran uh, a performance training facility in Virginia for four years called House of Strength. I sold the gym. Um, and, you know, something you were alluding to right before we started, Garrett, was, um, and we can talk more 
about this, but but shifting away from the plan and the X's and O's and, and telling people what to do um, and, and shifting into more of um, how to do it and, and maybe helping people make those connections on, you know, why you're not able to stick to the plan and, and things like that. And, and uh, that shift in 2016 for me was uh, to be able to, to run some podcasts and work with some startup companies in the health and wellness spaces. Uh, I wrote a book, um, will we'll be politically correct. And, and the book is called F your feelings. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and met Mike somewhere in that stretch. And, and he and I, um, got into hunting together or, well, that's, let me correct that. I guess Mike has been hunting for decades and, and I have been too, but on the East coast. And, uh, and as you know, that's way different from hunting out West. And he, he told me one day, he was like, you know, Hey, if you ever want to come out West and, and hunt, uh, you know, let me know. And I was like, yeah, actually I'd love to, um, I've always wanted to. And so, um, my first elk hunt, uh, was in Montana with Mike in 2019, I think. And, um, I've been hooked since, since the very first day. Um, and so, um, some of those conversations that we've had during our hunts have led to, you know, where we are now with fuel and pursuit. And so, um, that's a really long winded answer. You know, um, hopefully I left some time for Mike, but, um, <laughs> oh, that, that gives you good. some, some yeah. pertinent information on my background of, you know, fitness and, and gym stuff and nutrition. And, um, you know, now I get to work with, you know, athletes and special forces operators and Olympians on mindset and performance. And, and that's what we're bringing to uh, the hunting space and all outdoors with field of pursuit. I, I like that, that history. And, and you got, you piqued my interest when you said I, I didn't agree with what I was getting taught because all through school, I'm like, I don't believe half the crap, you know, like <laughs> I just, I just, so what, in, what in particular wasn't setting well with you that you're like, I don't know about this. What was kind of one of those things that you, <laughs> just knew that you were going against the grain. Well, I have a family history of diabetes and Alzheimer's. Um, and so one of the things that really uh, became a, a huge interest of mine about that time that I was in college was, you know, how do I make sure that I don't become diabetic? Um, you know, I'm the only male in my family who isn't diabetic. Um, and um, when we were in our nutrition, so it, the nutrition curriculum in college is broken into kind of two halves and you have, you know, all the science classes that you have to take and literally every science you can think of, I took it. And then some that you didn't even know were classes. Um, and then the rest of the curriculum is the nutrition stuff. So, uh, community nutrition, which is how do you educate the community on, you know, nutrition guidelines. There's a class called medical nutrition therapy, uh, where you learn all the diets that you prescribe for, uh, people that have celiac disease or irritable bowel syndrome or, you know, whatever. And in the science classes, we're learning how the metabolism works and, and how the body processes different foods. And we're learning about the Krebs cycle and glycolysis and all these other, you know, science terms. Um, basically you're taught, you know, here's the governing dynamics. This is how the body works. And it does this, this, and this, right. And then we go into, um, part of that is, is learning that when you have diabetes, it means that you don't process carbohydrates normally or properly. And then we go into medical nutrition therapy and the, the average or the normal diet that is prescribed for people is 60% of your calories coming from carbohydrates. And so the solution in medical nutrition therapy 
for an individual who is diabetic, remember that means that they don't handle carbs properly, mm-hmm. is we're going to reduce the prescription of carbs being 60% of their diet to being 50% of their diet. We're going to remove a whopping 10% of their calories from carbs, and we're still going to give them half of their calories from this macronutrient that they don't process correctly. Mm-hmm. To me, that just made no sense. And and that was like, that was kind of the straw that, that broke the camel's back. I mean, there were a lot of different things like that, that um, it was very clear that the program was funded by big food. Um, you know, we have uh, teachers up front, you know, teaching class who are, you know, fat, sick, tired, yeah. overweight, all the things that you hear, yeah. um, you know, in the documentaries, right? And, and the teacher saying all foods fit, there's no such thing as bad foods, there's nothing wrong with drinking Pepsi. And I'm like, okay, you know, this just, this is supposed to be where you learn the standard, right? And these are, you're, you're not only teaching this to people, but you're teaching it to people who are going to go out into the community and relay that standard to everybody else. And, you know, this is a big thing with, with leadership. And, and it's something that is very important to me that, you know, and this will come up with fuel the pursuit is, you know, I'm a huge believer in standards and whatever you set as a leader, you know, if you're the coach of a team, if you're uh, the CEO of a company, if you're, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, whatever standard you set as, okay, this is the the bare minimum of what is acceptable. This is the uh, upper limit of, of what we can possibly do. Those become the standards for the people who are underneath of you or who follow you. And, if you're the person that is in charge of, you know, directing the food intake for an entire county of, you know, schools or, you know, the entire retirement community at some nursing home or whatever, whatever your personal standards are become the upper limit for everybody there. And when that standard is clearly suboptimal and doesn't agree with what we're learning in science, I have a big problem with that, as you can tell. Yeah, no, and, and, I've always wondered, you know, at what point, you know, if, if food can, and I'm super simple and I'm very uneducated in this whole thing. So please don't mind my simplicity, but I'm like, if, if food can cause, maybe not food, but human behavior along with food can cause disease like diabetes, you know, onset diabetes, you can have, you know, all that stuff Then you know, it can cause ulcers with food too and, and stuff like that. And, and it can cause, you know, um, food poisoning, like, I'm sure it causes some sort of cancer. I'm sure it causes other diseases. And I'm like, we just haven't figured that out yet. Maybe I'm like, so I'm like, man, like this aspartame that's in this diet Pepsi here. I'm like, that probably isn't good for you. Who knows what that causes? Like, I don't know. And it just, I, it just, I feel like there's a lot that we don't know. And it's like you said, there's, there's a lot of big money behind the studies that fund the studies. And so it's like, I don't know what to believe anymore. And so I'm super skeptical. And, and then, you know, you'll watch a documentary on Netflix about the ketogenic diet, how it cured seizures in this kid. And I'm like, man, you know, like, and so that was, I think that was one of the straws that before my wife started actually being keto is, is like, we watched that documentary and I'm like, I know this is like a, a biased documentary cause they were like super pro keto, but I'm like, you can't really fake that. I mean, you can't really fake a kid going off medication cause now he's changed his diet and he's healthier. Like, so I don't know. I've, I'm I'm super open and, and open minded to hearing all those all those ideas that aren't conventional because conventional's got our um, society into I don't know what the obese population is, but it's got to be over fifty percent. I mean, it's ridiculous. 
Well, just think about this way. We have more health and fitness professionals than we've ever had before. Hmm. And we have the worst numbers of ov- overweight and obese <laughs> people. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting something wrong. Um, and, and I'll just leave it at that. And, and we got to bring Mike in. So copy, Mike, copy. Uh, take your turn at this. <laughs> yeah. We, obviously, we could talk for hours just about this particular this subject alone. It's uh, There's a lot to it. And, and like you said, people don't uh, – yeah, the, the knowledge isn't necessarily out there, and it's all muddled up in a bunch of you know. <laughs> uh, well, I, I won't say the word, but um, you're all good. I you know I, <laughs> I probably dropped every word you can think of on this podcast. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, well, I thanks, thanks, Garrett. Uh, we appreciate. It. I'll just do it. Do a quick intro of myself. Um, I'm, I'm, my name is Mike Lum. Um, uh, yeah, a little bit of background. Um, I uh, went to did, did a little bit of college in Denver, um, and then came up to Montana. Moved up here in the early '90s to finish, and uh, you know, kind of was sort of doing the normal thing that most 20 year olds do and drinking too much and eating crap and, you know, kind of blew off the rest of college and became a fishing guide. So I've been a fly fishing guide since, uh, since the very early nineties, um, you know, lived out in, you know, uh, Bumble, Bumble, BFE, Montana and in, in a really cool small town there. And, and I was just kind of living the life. I was hunting and fishing and, you know, guiding and, and, you know, not treating myself very well. Um, and, uh, kind of fast forward, Oh, I guess a, a couple of decades almost, uh, met, met my wife, um, in, in Montana and, um, so we decided to have kids starting, starting a little bit later. Um, and so I was, I was, uh, 41 when we had our daughter, Lucy and she's 10 now. So, so that, that tells you where I'm at in, in my, in my age and my progression here. But so after, after having, um, having Lucy, um, I really came to a pretty quick realization that I needed to start doing, doing stuff a little bit differently around, uh, my own health and, and longevity. You know, um, it's, you know, it's really important to me that I pass on some of these things to my daughter, you know, hunting and fishing. And I, you know, it was passed along to me through my family. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's those traditions to me are super important and, and, and not to mention being a good dad and being a dad for as long as possible and having these adventures, you know, with my daughter for as long as I possibly could. So, I'm the kind of guy when I, when I kind of get my mind around something like that, I dive in and, and start learning all, you know, as everything and anything I can about a, a subject. So I really, I really uh, dove in hard and, and did a lot of reading and a lot of research and um, kind of self-taught around the stuff, all the stuff that, that Ryan's talking about and whatnot, the nutrition and the, you know, the fitness part and the mindset. And, you know, I, I played high school football and, and I, you know, so I spent time, you know, a bunch of time in and out of the gym, like, like most guys do, but, you know, was serious at times about it, but was kind of just haphazard about it. And so when, you know, when I, when we had Lucy, I really got pretty serious about not only getting in, in shape and, you know, as we think of it, like, you know, you know, uh, you know, cardiovascular shape or, you know, building some muscle or whatever, but really with an eye towards, uh, you know, health and longevity and just feeling good, having my brain work, you know, um, having my body do what it's supposed to do and, and, and really having that happen for as long as possible. So I, I really, um, kind of, you know, went hard for, for quite a few years and still am going, you know, as far as learning all this stuff, you know, and really, really diving deep and, and, and getting into some of the science behind, you know, some of the stuff we're going to talk about here. So, um, you know, fast a little bit more, I <clears throat> ended up um, getting a, um, 
uh, certification to be a to be a health, fitness, and performance coach um, <clears throat> through uh, through this company that it's uh, uh, called Bulletproof at the time, but now it's uh, it's a Human Potential uh, Institute. So got that. Went took about a year and got that coaching certificate and, and spent a bunch of time coaching people. Still do. Still love that that programming around mostly around nutrition, but it ends up being a, around a lot of other things too. Uh, you know, mindset in particular. Um, and so that kind of ends up being how how Ryan and I met through coaching background and I ended up he he was offering this this quick little you know coaching for business thing and I I I, uh, I uh, took the bait on that and we had a quick phone call and and said you know that that was when the oh do you want to come elk hunting conversation uh took place so <laughs> um that's that's kind of kind of the whole background and how, how we ended up where we're at now and and so we we share uh some pretty pretty serious passion around this stuff around performance and around you know just 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 being being human and being the best humans we can be so so uh while i was going through your and i just want to i'm just curious because i'm there was a part of the course on keto diets and stuff like that are you guys both keto um in in different ways in different times yes um you know so that's uh you know obviously um keto being being quote unquote keto and the ketogenic diet um really um have, have come on big in the past i don't know five six years or so and, and really kind of become uh, a pretty big deal in the in the public you know sort of health sphere and and, and the, the consciousness of people who want to diet and lose weight and all that and so you know there there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information out there and just like anything else that, that that gets to be sort of big very quickly and popular very quickly there's a lot of good information, but there's also a, a <laughs> lot of pretty, pretty right. weak information out there. And so, um, you know, speaking for myself, um, you know, uh, keto and, and so the ketogenic diet and, and the, the energy source ketones, which it creates from, you know, helps your body create from fats. Um, you know, it, it's got a lot of really, really good things, uh, going for it. Um, it's, it's got a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uses and really, um, it, it's, I think to us and, 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 you know, in the, within the context of this course, it's really a tool in the toolbox, you know, um, whether or not it's something that, that, um, is a sustainable sort of diet and lifestyle for, for any given person at any given time, that that's debatable, you know, whether or not it's something that you want to do forever, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty restrictive and it's pretty, you know, doing, eating the classic like ketogenic style diet is, is not particularly easy for most people, you know, that much fat, 70% of your calories from fat is, is pretty tough to maintain for a long period of time. You know, that said, um, it, it has some very specific uses that we can talk about, particularly for backcountry users. Um, so for me personally, I, I kind of, I do what's, what, what I refer to, what's referred to as cyclical, cyclic uh, ketosis. So I'm, I'm kind of keep in general, keep my car, carb levels pretty low. Um, and then, you know, for, you know, two to four days a week, I'm usually in sort of a light state of ketosis. And then, you know, the, the rest of the time I'll, I'll eat a little bit more carbs and for generally specific reasons working out and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and then during hunts, um, during back, backcountry hunts in particular in the mountains, um, you know, like I said, it's got some pretty specific uses around that. I'll, I'll go and be pretty deep into ketosis and, and, and use keto that way. Um, Interesting. Ryan, yeah. So, well, I, I've always heard that, you know, in, in most people, I think use ketosis as a way to lose weight. That's like mm -hmm. the biggest draw to it. And so I've always heard like, and, and, and it's pretty true. Like if you cheat on ketosis or the keto diet that you're going to end up probably heavier than you were because your body 
typically will hold on to things if you're in and out of it. But you're saying that you that you are cyclical on it, and mm-hmm. but you're not using it for weight loss. So, um, how accurate is that statement? How accurate, you know, is is that? I, I just want to learn more about it. So if I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. if I have a wrong thought, I I'm not married to anything, man. Like Ryan said, module one in, in that video, like. People look at diets like religion and they're willing to die on that. You that's know, right. I'm not. That's right. That, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and really, uh, it, it, it's really comes down to nuance. Right. Okay. Um, and, and I'll try to really kind of simplify things. So, so um, fat loss, if you're, if you're trying to diet to lose body fat, um, you need to one way or another, regardless of what you're eating, you need to take in fewer calories um, than, than you're expending, right? You need to be eating a, it's called a caloric deficit, right? Yeah. So, so right. If, and, and the, the, the opposite of that, the other side of that coin is if you eat more calories than you're expending, you're generally speaking, going to, going to gain weight. And so, so the thing about the thing about, there's a couple of, 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 uh, uh, effects of, of the keto diet, eating keto that, that will actually help you to maintain either, either a caloric homeostasis, meaning uh, that you're, you're just really taking in as many calories as you're going to burn or, or staying in a caloric deficit. So, so generally, and, and to t- try to keep it real simple here, um, two, two things, um, it, carbohydrates are, are what, you know, when we eat carbohydrates that elicits a hormonal response. And of course you've heard of insulin, right? Insulin response. So insulin has, has, uh, many different functions of the body, but one of its main functions is as as a storage hormone. So that actually, when we're eating an excess of calories, right. And we're eating a lot of those in carbohydrates that keeps our insulin levels elevated, which makes it very, very easy to store any excess calories that we eat. Okay. So that's the simple side of that part. So then, um, you know, the other, the other part of that is that, that fat and carbo, excuse me, fat and protein in particular tend to be more satiating which will keep you fuller longer and provide a, a more stable source of energy than carbohydrates. So those two things, just those two things alone are what, what kind of make the, the, you know, the ketogenic diet, um, uh, effective for weight loss, for fat loss for some people. Interesting. Cause I, I, I don't like getting the hunger cravings and, and I like, I, when I'm trying to eat good and then I go to the gym and I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, overly simplistic. So I go to the gym and I'm like, I need to probably work out this hard because I ate this today and I'm trying to get that deficit going. Right. And so, um, but then I go like, and I go do like a crush my legs that day. And then like that night or the next morning, like I am freaking starving, man. Like I, (laughs) I, I have to eat something and I'm trying not to eat, you know, anything before maybe noon or something like that. And it just, the, the cravings is what kills me. And it's harder to, it's easier to fall off track without having that that, that level playing field of, of, a uh, appetite basically. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I need to try, I've never actually committed to doing keto more than like past three days. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let me jump in here with a couple of things and, you know, to your original question of, are we both keto? And my answer is very similar to Mike's. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I'm the only male in my family that isn't diabetic. Mm-hmm. So keto or not keto, if you follow me around for the rest of my life, I'm going to try to eat as few carbohydrates as possible uh, for the rest of my life. Um, and what I mean by as few as possible is, um, you know, that, that doesn't mean that I'm trying to eat zero carbs every day. Um, we, we need, my belief is that we should be eating as whatever that minimal effective dose is for all of us. And again, that's going to be different from person to person. Generally speaking, the more intensely we exercise 
And the more frequently we exercise, the greater our need for carbohydrates will be. So some context or some examples around that, a CrossFit athlete who, you know, doing CrossFit style workouts, you know, four or five times a week, they're going to have a higher carbohydrate requirement than somebody who is hiking up and down a mountain, um, you know, at a heart rate that is, you know, low to moderate. Um, you know, typically when we're hiking in the mountains, um, our heart rate is not exceeding, uh, you know, a certain threshold, right? It's not the same as if you're doing Fran, um, you know, CrossFit workout where you're, you know, ready to cough up your lungs in four minutes or less. Um, so that's a general rule of thumb. The, the more intensely and the more frequently uh, you're exercising, the greater your need for carbohydrates will be. Um, now, because of that, and because of some of the things that you were just mentioning with your own experience, Garrett, um, I don't eat uh, pure keto all the time. Um, like Mike said, it's a tool for us um, on our backcountry hikes uh, and, and hunting excursions. And, and we can get into some of these numbers in a few minutes, but you know, the, the easiest way to look at that, and, and the reason that it's such a valuable tool is um, one gram of fat contains nine calories. One gram of carbohydrate contains four calories. So for all these guys that are, you know, obsessing over pack weight and, you know, what your arrow setup is and, you know, oh, I'm going to take, you know, <laughs> this tent because it weighs, you know, six ounces less than the other tent. And I'm taking, you know, these boots because they're, you know, eight ounces less than these boots. And, and I'm not even wearing gaiters because that's one ounce or, or one pound that I don't want to carry, whatever. Right. So literally the, the food that you're taking with you if you opt for more, uh, like gram for gram, you get 2.25 times the calories from fat that you get from carbs. It's simple math. Um, and so, um, for never, us, never thought about it that way. Yeah. And, and for us, it's, it just makes sense of like, Hey, if I'm trying to take as many calories out there as I can with as little weight as possible, why would you not make that fat instead of carbs? Um, plus the carbs that, that we eat, you know, when, when we're not keto at home, we're eating sweet potatoes or, or any kind of potato, uh, we're eating rice, we're eating oats, um, you know, we're eating high quality carbohydrates that you might find on like, say a typical bodybuilding style diet. Those things don't lend themselves well to taking those in the back country. Like, can you imagine like, you sack know, you're, you're hiking in with like a, a 30 pound, you know, bag of rice or a sack of potatoes. Yeah. Like it's just. <laughs> It's not, it doesn't work, man. Um, so, um, you know, and, and to Mike's point about, you know, timing our, our dives into ketosis for these hunts, um, you know, you want to, you want to get into ketosis uh, probably the week before you go on your trip. And, and to your comment about, you know, um, have, you haven't done keto for more than three days, I think that, and, and something that you had said earlier is, is a very, and this isn't like you doing it wrong. This is kind of a, it's a very, it's something we hear and see a lot. And, and it's a point that, that Mike and I find ourselves um, helping people to see quite a bit. There is a huge difference. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. Being keto and eating keto are not the same thing. <laughs> right. Um, you can eat a high fat meal or you can eat a high fat 
diet for three straight days, that does not make you, uh, it doesn't put you automatically into ketosis. If a person has, so this is, this is the important distinction that a lot of times when we say keto, we're, we're cutting the word short. And as Mike said earlier, when something grows so rapidly and kind of gets out of control, a lot of the information that gets spread isn't the best information. And, and that's what has happened here is we shorten everything to keto. And so now we don't know, like, does this person mean ketone or do they mean ketosis? And so I think if we take a step back and we look physiologically at what's happening, um, to be in a state of ketosis means that our body is producing ketone bodies as a fuel substrate from fatty acids in our body. Now, we can do that from exogenous fats, the fats that we eat, or from endogenous or stored adipose tissues, stored body fat, right? And so that's an important distinction to make because it takes, and especially if somebody has never been in ketosis, it takes anywhere from three to sometimes 10 days for a person to transition into a state of ketosis, even though they have been eating keto for that entire time, right? And so if you've never, if you've, if anybody listening has tried keto, but you've never eaten keto um, or in a ketogenic way for more than three days, you've probably never been in ketosis. Right. So if you're interested and you want to try it, you're going to have to commit to it and you're going to have to do it for, you know, seven or 10 days at least to try to get into a state of ketosis, which is why I said, you know, even for Mike and I, um, you know, we've done it and, and been there quite a few times. And, and this is something that, that we also talk about a lot in the course is developing metabolic flexibility. And so you think of that as like a light switch, being able to toggle back and forth between either carbohydrates or fats as a fuel source. Um, and the, the better our metabolic health, the greater flexibility we have and the faster we can make that transition. So if you're somebody that it takes seven or 10 days to get into ketosis, that's an indication that our cellular machinery, that our metabolic function isn't running the way that it could or even arguably should from a health standpoint. Um, so we'll come, come kind of, I'll wrap this up and then, you know, we can, you can ask whatever questions on that, but um, the reason that Mike and I say we will get into ketosis the week before we go on the hunt is that we don't want to be going through that transition um, on the first day or so of the hunt. We want to be reaping those benefits of, um, you know, accelerated cognitive function and, and better decision making and mental clarity and, you know, all these benefits that are part of being in ketosis. Um, you know, we want to be experiencing those on the entire portion of the hunt. We don't want to be kind of transitioning into that. And so um, hopefully that makes sense. Makes complete sense. And and I I was so my, – my wife, um, watching her do it, she was uh, she did it before our wedding for like a year. She was trying to get into a certain dress size and, and had, you know, a whole idea, mental frame of what she wanted to do, and she killed it. She did great with, with keto for over a year straight. And um, I – I just, I'm, I'm just curious about performance. Like if you're going through keto, um, and you see here, I've heard like the keto flu and stuff like that. 
Um, my, my buddy tried it. I don't think he tried it legitly, but he tried it and he's like, I just couldn't lift as much. I felt tired at the gym. Um, is that, that's, that, that's probably not actually the, the, the effect of keto. Maybe that's the effect of going into keto or what, what effects are, is keto going to have in your performance, like at the gym and stuff like that? Well, the short term thing that he's experiencing there is, um, it's, it's again, due to that lack of metabolic flexibility, it's because you turned the light switch and you said, Hey, there's no more carbs, but the lights haven't come on yet. And so you're still in the dark and you're like, I can't see mm-hmm. because your body doesn't have a fuel source. It, you're not giving it the carbs that it's had for your entire lifetime. And you're expecting it to perform as if it has, as if it has a readily available fuel source, but it hasn't yet relearned. And I say relearned because creating, um, ketone bodies as a fuel source from body fat is an innate thing for the human body. It is actually our natural state. Um, babies do it all the time. We lose that ability because of the standard American diet, because you grew up being told that Kellogg's frosted flakes and a bowl full of milk and, uh, you know, orange juice was a part of your balanced breakfast or complete breakfast, whatever. Right. right, right. Um, but, but a lifetime of eating a certain way trains your body that, Hey, this is the fuel source. And so the keto flu is a term that is used to describe that onboarding period where, you know, think of it as like an on-ramp onto an interstate and, and you're getting up to speed. Your body is figuring out, Hey, I'm not getting carbs from my pie hole. So I've got to figure out where this fuel is going to come from. And it's starting to relearn that process and do it. And so this is where like the metabolic flexibility comes in. And this is why in the course, Mike and I will, will kind of, um, we actually urge people that if you want to do this on your hunt, you need to start doing it in the off season so that you can go through, you know, some of that, uh, learning process, both mentally and physically in a period of, you know, it's just like anything you, you, you tinker in the off season, you don't tinker in the season or on game. Right. Right. Um, you know, you work out all the kinks then. And so, you know, part of the keto flu is not having readily available fuel source. And so of course, temporarily, you're going to feel weaker uh, in the gym. Your performance may go down for a week. Once you become fat adapted, once you get used to that as a fuel source, you're going to see, you'll get back to where you were and then beyond, especially if your fitness programming is designed to actually, you know, progress you. And so that's a whole other conversation in regards to, you know, programming. And and that's a mistake that most people make that we can do a whole podcast on, you know, how to program for, you know, gains. Um, and so again, like, like Mike said, before we hit record, all this is, is intertwined. These are not like, okay, you got fitness over here you got diet here and you got mindset here. Like it's all, it's all interconnected. And one other thing on the keto flu is um, it's an electrolyte thing as well. Um, when you go low carb, that is a diuretic, has a diuretic effect, which means we're going to flush water. It's one of the reasons people instantly lose weight when they cut carbs. You didn't lose fat. You just lost glycogen and water. Um, and when we do that, we also shed electrolytes. And so people may have cramping issues. They may have, um, you know, lack of mental clarity or like brain fog, we would call that. Um, and, and that can be solved really, really easily with just ingesting electrolytes. Um, and I don't mean drinking Gatorade. I mean, like actually taking in salt. Oh, well, the brain fog's a regular thing for me. I'm like probably the most forgetful person you've ever met. So. 
Well, I, I want to get through the um, – the and I didn't even know we were going to go over the keto. It kind of – that's just where the conversation progressed. But um, I, I have been tempted to try it over and over and over again, and I might just commit to it for a while. How much would you – how long would you suggest – committing to the keto diet is that based dependent on your goals or I just want to play around it and see if it's see if it's something that I like and feel good doing it what would you suggest there um well you know a little bit of that depends on 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 how hard you want to go right I mean you you can there's there's several different ways that you can go about it um, you know, you could, you can just go as easy as, as kind of incrementally reducing your carbo, the, the amount of carbohydrates you eat every day uh, until you're at a point where you're just, you're eating, you know, say less than 20 grams of carbohydrates a day. Um, and you're, you know, and then concurrently increasing your, your protein and especially your fat intake. And you can do that over time. And, and, you know, that may take you, you know, a couple of months to pull that off to where you're actually, you know, you the, the, the metabolic mechanisms in your body have, have, have kind of figured out how to, how to, you know, burn fat. And that's probably the sort of easiest and you know, kind of uh, simplest way to go about it. Um, you know, you can also, um, just go hardcore and quit eating carbs and yeah, you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna feel pretty bad for, for, you know, uh, for a while, especially the first week or so, um, you know, and, and then, you know, you can also add a little, fa some fasting in, um, that that's a really, really good way whether it's intermittent fasting. And, you know, I think probably most people these days, you know, uh, like the number of people who've heard of keto have heard of intermittent fasting. That's a pretty, pretty buzzy word these days or buzzy term yeah. these days too. So, you know, and, and all that is, is really, um, shortening the window of time, uh, during any given day in which you eat. Right. So, you know, for instance, you can, you know, you, you stop eating dinner at, uh, say, you know, you, you have dinner at six o'clock and you don't eat anything after seven o'clock. And then, you know, for, for the next day, you don't eat until 10, 11 o'clock, you know, or, or even later, depending on how, you know, how you feel and how long you want that window to be. And so that's, that's, a, that's a great way to, 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 and then, you know, certainly you can, you know, uh, be mindful of, of your carbohydrate intake when, when you do eat and what you do eat. So, um, you know, that's a great way you can do, you know, water fast or a little harder core. You just, you're just doing water for a day or two. I mean, there's all different, you know, ways to go about doing it. And you can, um, you can even speed up the process by doing fasted workouts. So a great way to do it. And, and one of the ways, you know, in my coaching, um, you know, when people really, you know, have some wherewithal and, you know, and, and they're already working out and whatnot is, is I'll have them do their workouts in the morning fat in a fasted state. Right. And that'll, that'll even drop your, you know, your carbohydrate because you're, when you're, you know, increasing that intensity, like Ryan said before, you know, over a certain intensity threshold, you're going to, you're going to naturally start to burn carbs. And so if you're doing that, if you're doing your, you know, your elliptical trainer or your, you know, your Peloton bike or whatever, just do it in the morning in a fasted state without having eaten. And that's, that'll, that'll really help, you know, kind of kickstart that, that uh, metabolic machinery to, to help you get into, get into ketosis quicker. So. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that kind of leads me into, I think we've, we've, we've captured the, the keto part for now and well, I'm sure we'll probably come back to it cause I'm sure I'll have more questions on it later, but I want to get into the actual training and kind of, um, you guys train some really high level people, it sounds like. And, and I've always heard things that I would be interested in hearing guys of your caliber explain. Like, um, I, I just, you know, you hear it all the time. You got to work out lower body to get the gains in the upper body. I've heard that a million times, like like working out and crushing your legs produces more, um, testosterone and whatever hormones that builds muscle for the rest of your body. Is that a true thing? Like what's going on there? I, I just kind of, this is something I've been carrying with me for a long time. So I just, can you guys tell me uh, how accurate is that statement? <laughs> it is actually an accurate statement. Is it really? So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So 
heavy loads like you would handle in you know a, a barbell back squat or, or a barbell deadlift okay. those are going to um, elicit hormonal responses um, and you know that's that I think that kind of for me as a, as a strength coach that leads me into one of the other things that I find myself um, sharing with people quite a bit is that uh, it, it is the reminder that you know when you go into the gym, whatever you're doing is causing damage. Um, you're not actually getting better in the gym. You are tearing muscles down and you are creating a stimulus for the body um, that is telling the body, hey, when we are removed from this stressor, um, we need to build ourselves up bigger, better, stronger, so that the next time we see this stressor, we are better prepared to handle it. Um, and I think when people hear it that way, it can totally uh, shift the way we think about nutrition before and after the workout, right? So now when we talk about eating to fuel your workouts, um, eating for performance, um, and then eating afterwards to facilitate recovery, um, giving your body the nutrients it needs to recover. And now you can see why I said what I said earlier about the more intensely you train, the more frequently you do it, the greater your need for carbohydrates is going to be. Um, and so, you know, the, then that takes us to kind of a wider conversation of, you know, how are you training? Um, which is answered, uh, first by a question of why are you training? And, and I don't mean that in like the motivational sense of, um, you know, what's your, what's your purpose or, you know, your, your why in that sense. I mean, like, are you training to win a bodybuilding show or are you training to be better at climbing mountains or are you training to win the CrossFit games? Um, what is your purpose? And that usually, not usually it does inform how we want to set up the training program. Um, the training program as a strength coach, we should be able to look at your training program and be able to clearly identify uh, if it's a well-written program, I can look at your program and say, I know what you're training to be able to do based on what you're doing in the gym. Um, and I think that's another one of those mistakes that I see a lot of folks making and, you know, it will stay in the hunting space, right? There's a lot of people um, that have Instagram accounts that are, you know, posting their workouts and talking about what they're doing to prepare for the season, you know, but they're, doing bench presses on a Smith machine at, at a gym and like, you know, cool dude, like have fun, but it's not going to make you better on the mountains. Right. Sorry. Right. Well, I'm guilty of that all the time. And I tell people like my, my thing is I want to be in shape for me in shape is being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it on the mountain. Like if I want to go to the top of the hill and have enough heartbeat and breath to be able to pull my bow back, draw, excel, get the job done to me, that's, performing on the mountain. I want to be able to perform. Exactly. Number mm -hmm. two, I want to look good for my wife. So, <laughs> and that's, <laughs> you know, like bice, she likes biceps and she likes, um, you know, she doesn't like man titties and she, she likes a good midsection. So I, <laughs> I focus on that stuff. So, um, so I'm posting like, you know, every once in a while I'll post shit. That's like outside of shoulder workouts. Um, I do a lot of shoulder workouts a lot. Um, and I think that's because I know why it's because I feel like I, I have to really focus on the area the most because, uh, my shoulders are both pretty much something going on with the rotator cuffs. They're both shot in that, in that area or something's going on there because there's a time when I was shooting too high a poundage at too long of a draw length with bad form it, for about a year and a half. I was, you know, 
16,000 arrows between January and uh, before September one year with bad form, like all of it. And that was just, I think that's what did it. And so ever since then, I focused on shoulders, better trying to get my form back, um, shorter, all, all that stuff. Um, and I'm paying the price for it. So I do a lot of shoulder workouts. I do um, a lot of um, weighted uh, workouts, uphills, running, um, a lot of deadlift. Deadlifts have been like the number one thing for me for noticing all around gains, like strength. And, and like the first time I tried doing deadlifts, I almost passed out. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like I almost like, I must not have been breathing or something. I don't know. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I walked around like an old man for three or four days afterwards. I was like, I've never done a deadlift. And I told my buddy like this the other day, I was so weak that I started off doing 45 pound, um, <laughs> probably shouldn't admit to this 45 pounds on each side plus the bar. So like 135, I could do like two reps of deadlift. Like I was that week when I started doing deadlifts. I'd never done one, but now I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing way more, but, um, that's, that's where I started, you know, like that's, that's, I was probably horrible form. Couldn't, you know, stand straight. I was walking around like a hunchback old man and doing two reps of 135 deadlift. That's pretty freaking weak. That's pretty bad, but that's where I started. And I, I guess if you're a bow hunter and you're looking at, at the areas of, of increasing your performance on the mountain, what do you guys suggest and how do you suggest going about doing it? For me, I think there's no better substitute than actually doing the activity that you're going to be doing on the mountain. A lot, of, I think I've said this a million times, you know, you can go have a gym membership, but there's a lot to be said about putting boots, a pack and hiking up a mountain. Like there's a lot to be said for that and it's free. Yeah. And that's, and that's really, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. That's the essence of, you know, what, what you need to be doing, you know, and, and it, it is pretty simple. So really you, you think about what, what it is you want to do up there, what, you know, how, you know, we're not going up to the mountains and doing wind sprints, you know, with, with, with no weight, right. We're, we're going up there and we're hiking with some weight on our back. You know, hopefully we were successful and we're hiking out with a lot more weight on our back and we're doing it at a steady state. We're not doing it. You know, we're not trying to sprint. We're not trying to, you know, we're not, we're not bench pressing an elk. We're not doing any of that stuff. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, that's, that's um, a great way to think about how to program, you know, your workouts is what, what do I really need to be good at? What, where, where do I need to be my cardiovascular? Where, where do I need support there? You know, and, and, you know, can I, can I walk, you know, up and down mountains with, you know, 40, 30, 40, 50 or more pounds on my back for eight hours, 10 hours. Can I, can I do that? And, and so that's, you know, to think about what you're actually going to do in the mountains, you know, and, and do it, you know, 10%, 15% harder than you're going to actually end up doing it in the mountains. That's really all you need to know. <laughs> I mean, that's right. kind of, that's kind of the basis for, you know, for, for how to program this stuff. Well, I've, I've and, noticed, or, or sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I would just add to that, that, you know, for you guys, you can go out in your backyard and, and do these things. Um, I live in Virginia. I, I'm really fortunate that, you know, I can go, like we have the Appalachian trail. I was on it today. Um, but literally it, and I, I texted Mike, I was like, I'm about to do this up and down three <laughs> times because there's nothing here in Virginia that comes close to uh, the length of a climb that that will face, I don't care, pick your state that you're going to hunt elk, uh, you know, if you're hunting out west. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's, I find the steepest, longest hill that I can find. And I put 50 pound pack on my back 
and I've got my boots on and I go up and down it three times in an hour. And, you know, it's like three total miles in, in about an hour. And, you know, I gain and lose a little over a thousand, it's like 1200 feet of elevation. Um, and that's, you know, if I were out there where you guys are, I would be just, I'd just go out and I'd scout and I'd hike and, and you would do the thing. Right. And so in, uh, strength and conditioning, there's a principle called the SAID principle, S-A-I-D, and it stands for specific adaptations to impose demands. In other words, if you want to get better at squatting, squat. If you want to get better at climbing mountains, go climb mountains, right? Now, that being said, some people live in Kansas. Some people live in Texas. Some people live, like I do, in a place that is pretty close to sea level and doesn't have the elevation. So if I go hunt in Colorado, I've got to be prepared for the altitude. I've got to be prepared for elevation, the terrain. So in, you know, from, from a strength conditioning standpoint, like you guys have said, we want to build an aerobic base, right? That's, that's cardio. We think of that as like cardio, right? I got to get my cardio up. Um, that's called an aerobic base. And that means when you're doing your training at home, preparing for the season, like Mike said, we're not sprinting. It's not a 30 minute hit workout right? It's, can you go at say a heart rate of 120 beats per minute under load up hills and downhills on uneven terrain for several hours and for several days in a row, right? Um, so that's why we need the aerobic base. Um, and then like you said, Garrett, we need to bulletproof, um, you know, all those joints and stabilizers, uh, you know, your ankles, your hips, your knees, your shoulders, um, you know, all of those little things are, are big things to focus on. And yeah, we need to be strong, but there's a ceiling to how strong we need to be if we're training to be hunters. Um, and, you know, so you know, maybe you don't need to deadlift 500 pounds, but progressing from 135 to 225, maybe 275, you know, there's going to be a point of diminishing returns, um, you know, with, with that particular move. You want to be strong enough but at some point it becomes better return on your investment to focus that time on, you know, making sure that you put the shot where it needs to go. Right. right? Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I just to, to close that thought, I mean, you know, the, the course has a program that is designed to help people like me, uh, who don't live in the States where they're going to hunt and don't have access to those mountains, uh, to be able to, uh, prepare for, the altitude and the elevation and, and all of those, uh, the things that are going to kick your butt if you're not ready for them. Right. Well, I, I, you brought up a good area of mine is, is like I, my, for me, the word of the month is balance and the next month and a half is balance. And I've gone to the gym consistently three to five times a week since the beginning of the year and all training for September, October, November, and this is the two months where I always fall off track. It's bear season because I'm driving around looking for bears, eating God knows what, whatever I find at the gas station. And then I'm going and I'm driving around. And then I, if I shoot a bear, it's usually a pretty, not, it's usually a pretty easy pack out. Last bear we got out whole, right? So it's like, okay, this is where I fall off. And I spend every night out driving around. And then, so I'm like this year, I'm going to balance it. And so I've only hunted three times this year for bear and I'm trying to go to the gym but then also while doing that, I'm trying to gain while not lose in certain other areas. It just seems like I'm trying to spend too many plates at once and I don't really know what to focus on. So what do you have 
for suggestions on for folks that are trying to balance and, and like for you, like you said, ankles, that is my, every, every time I go hunt with a buddy, they're, they're just like cringing when they walk behind me. Cause I'm constantly rolling my ankles like multiple times, every folly, probably every 20 minutes I'm rolling, like my ankles get out like this every 20 minutes. Like it's, it's constant. I mean, all the time. And I've always walked on the insides of my feet like that. So maybe that's something to do with it. Um, I mean, how, how do I fix that? How much time would that take? Am I going to lose against, you know, I, I do bench press. I'm one of those guys. I, I bench press. Um, I'm proud of it. And, uh, you know, I, I just, it's just trying to find a balance and enough time to be able to focus on what I need to gain on, but also be able to go out and kill an animal during season, which I only get two months of the year to do this for spring bear. It's freaking challenging. Yeah, there is a no there is a question and, somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm I'm not saying never bench press. Um, yeah. I'm just saying if you're going to bench press or if you're going to do a horizontal press, um, maybe doing it in a Smith machine where you know it's on a fixed track and all of the stability or or all of the stabilization required is taken over by the machine. And yeah, the bench. I don't like Smith um, machines. You know you. You'd be better off either doing dumbbell bench press or uh, a push up. Um, you know, immediately uh, switching from and and I use that. I'm not saying you did Smith machine bench. I'm just saying that's <laughs> one that I see on Instagram that is like the absolute furthest thing from having carryover to World. being better in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? I can see that. Um, and so that's that's the thing is like just think about okay, why am I doing this exercise? How is this going to, you know, you know, again, okay, this is a horizontal press. I'm doing it for strength. Is there a horizontal press that I can do for strength that's going to have better carryover? Well, I would argue, you know, push-ups because we're going to spend more time in the prone position when we're hunting than you are supine on your back, right? With your arms up in the air, right? Um, so, you know, spending time doing crawling or push-ups, right? You're going to develop strength in the horizontal uh, pressing motion, but also throughout your stabilizing muscles, your shoulders, uh, your scapula, uh, just tons more carryover there. So um, to your question about ankles, um, I, that might, depending on like the, the amount of inversion that you have and, you know, where things are, how long that takes to fix, um, I don't know without like seeing you in person. But I would say immediately, like, start looking at, like, your toes, your, your footwear choices. Um, this is one of those things with, like, we were talking before we hit record about mindset. And, you know, it's, it's decisions, right? And it's not just decisions on game day, but it's decisions throughout our lives that, that lead to kind of who we are and, and the version of us that we bring to each year's hunt. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the choices that we've made in footwear are usually – more about style and appearance as opposed to function and, and how they impact, um, you know, our, our feet, our knees, our hips, um, all those things. And so um, I would start to look at, you know, uh, you probably need a wider shoe. You probably need a shoe with less drop from, from heel to toe. You probably need uh, to spend more time barefoot so that you can condition your feet to function the way that they're supposed to. Um, you know, your, your ankles are giving out not because they're weak, but because they've never been trained and they've never been asked to do the work. They've always been able to rely on your footwear, uh, or your boots. And so, you know, if you ever hunt with me, you'll see, like, I wear minimal shoes all the time. And when I'm hunting, that's no exception. Um, 
And so, but that's not to say somebody should jump right to that. You're going to get hurt if you do that because you, you need to start with doing that, as we said before, in the off season. And just like with food, like you need to train your body to, to function the way that it's supposed to. We do that throughout the year. And then you take what you have for that year into the mountains, right? Um, so it might be a three, four, five-year process for you to get to a point where, you know, you could wear a, a minimalist shoe, you know, into the mountains, right? And, and so, again, it's just auditing where you are now, figuring out what's causing this, get to the root cause, and then start to work on, you know, those baby steps to move from where you are to where you want to be. Well, I, I – yeah, and definitely, and I think you definitely are, are right there. And, and ever since, I mean, even in high school, I was wearing boots all the time on the weekends and, you know, all the time. And I've been wearing boots for so long. I imagine my high support ankle boots, you know, because my ankles have usually been pretty weak. But, like, like um, I remember Joe Rogan talking about walking around in, like, the toe shoes and stuff like that mm -hmm. and how his feet just hurt and then they got stronger. And I'm like, man, I bet, I bet my feet are freaking weak, like <laughs> – because I've always had that big cast around them, you know, in the woods all the time. And you that's know. the thing, man. If you think about that, if you think about it, like you, you put your boots on and try to spread your toes out, right? Your toes are, are not a single unit for a reason, right? Your toes are meant to work independently, right? Mm -hmm. And they have a, that, that's a big part of your balance is being able to work every toe individually, right? And if you put them in a boot that you can't, they're like this and they're basically locked in as one unit, mm -hmm. you're, I mean, you're losing a giant percentage of, of your balance. And, and certainly your body adapts to that. But, but I mean, if you think about that, even being able to spread your toes a little bit and yeah. put, the, put the different pressure where it's supposed to be with your toes, I mean, that's going to make, that makes a huge difference. And again, you know, it's, it's just like, I mean, to connect this back, you know, it's just like we were talking about, you know, ketosis and, and, and diet and whatnot, right? You have to train your body to do these things. If you, you've already trained it to do one thing a certain way, so it's going to have adapted to that way. And if that way is in a pair of real narrow boots, you're, you're, you know, your body's going to have adapted, you know, as much as it can. So you're going to have to kind of reverse that and go back to, you know, what it's more meant to do and perform the way it's meant to perform. And like Ryan said, you know, it may be going barefoot more often. It may be getting a pair of boots or shoes with a wider toe box. So you can actually, you know, spread your toes. I've got a, I've got a, I wear a pair of, uh, occasionally the pair of those, uh, Vibram five fingers, they're called. I don't know if you've ever seen those and they're, and they're the shoes with the individual toes in them. Right. Mm -hmm. And Ryan, Ryan and I both wear toe socks that have the individual toe, you know, the sleeves in them, you know, for that very reason is, is the, the more independently you can get, you know, your toes to work, the better your balance is going to be, you know, and the less your ankles are going to have to work. So, yeah. I mean, that's just one, like a micro. I've never even <laughs> thought of it like that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me, let me just throw this in real quick. This, this is going to be a YouTube video that we put out. So you guys get to uh, the on point audience gets to hear this first. Perfect. This is a hack to stop getting blisters on your feet. Wear toe yep. socks. Yep. Really? You don't even have to wear. You never shoes. get a blister. Just toe That's socks. Right. So if you think about a blister, I've never is, even heard is, of a toe sock. What the hell is a toe sock? Is it just a sock for your toe? I guess. I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. So, so all right, you've seen toe shoes, right? Yes. Oh, okay. the How socks you with your individual toes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How do you think okay. people wear socks in those shoes? <laughs> I never even thought about it. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, guys, that's a good. You can't point. wear normal socks in those shoes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I've never even thought about that. Okay. They're socks with individual toes. But if you think about what a blister is, it's friction, right? So yeah. it's, it's your your foot is either rubbing against, if the blister's on the outside of your foot, it's rubbing against the shoe. But a lot of times people get blisters on the inside where their toes rub together. And that's like what Mike is saying. Your, your feet or your toes are not supposed to be like that. But if you wear toe socks, 
you'll immediately prevent your toes from rubbing up against ah, each other. So okay. that's a quick little fix to uh, significantly reduce blistering. Yeah, I never even thought. I, I guess <laughs> that's another thing. Toe shoes, you'd need toe socks. I never, I don't know why I never <laughs> even thought about that. I think, what the hell is a toe sock? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, serious question here. There's, I, I, I've always thought this that you know, a, a pound of muscle um, is different than uh, a pound of muscle on me is different than a pound of muscle on, um, say, a farm strength pound of muscle. Like, and what I'm saying, like, I've got buddies who grew up doing farm duties, very physical labor. They look like a regular guy, but they're really freaking strong. Like, I don't know if you guys watch the UFC, but um, Khabib Nurmagomedov, one of the best, if not the GOAT of all time, and, and uh, just everybody always talks to him. He's a he's not a giant stack guy, but he's one of the strongest grapplers ever. And he just grew up in a really rough area, um, super strong guy. I've, there, is there have been any studies or is there any truth to farm? I call it farm strength versus gym strength because I feel like there's like a there's a like almost like a superficial look to a muscle versus an actual like dude that guy is stronger than shit but you couldn't tell it by looking at him. Mm -hmm. I could go on on this for days. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to add first, Mike? <laughs> Guys, uh, open you know, a can of worms and not know it. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, you know, there, there's there's such a thing as old man strength too. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> that that is a real thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll let I'll let Ryan dive. I'll, what I will say is, you know, uh, th that kind of thing becomes you specific. And when you what you're doing on a farm is, you know, you you need. Uh, a, a wide variety of types of strength and you're just practicing those types of strength every single day. So like, for instance, to, to go to, to circle it back to your ankle thing, right? If you were to go out and put, you know, 40, 50 pounds on your back and, and get some, get some shoes that let your toes spread out and you hiked up and down and it's super uneven, uneven ground. And you did that, you know, every other day for a year, you're, you're going to have some of the strongest ankles of anybody, you know, right? That's just how that kind of thing works. Right. And so, yeah, it's about, it's about smaller stabilizer muscles. It's about specific kinds of strength. It's about connective tissues and about your tendons, the ligaments as well, and strengthening those along with your muscles. So I'll, I'll, I'll let, I'll, I'll stop there and let Ryan, cause I know he's dying. I can see him dying. To talk about <laughs> <this right now. laughs> but, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's legit. Well, so what Mike was actually kind of alluding to with, um, repeating certain actions over time that that creates neurological adaptation right and I, i'm glad that he said that because you know what i was going to say was to your question garrett there, there is there is a difference between muscle size and strength um strength has nothing well i, I don't want to say has nothing to do with mass right um more mass does move other mass easily right so like if 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 i weigh 200 pounds and you weigh 100 pounds i'm probably going to be able to move a 200 pound boulder more easily than you are regardless of our um uh relative strengths right um it's just i can put more mass behind this thing i can move it right Right now, I think what you're referring to with like farm strength and like this guy is stronger than that guy. Now we're getting into like relative strength, right? Like you take two people that look about the same size, um, but one dude 
uh, or, or one woman is just ridiculously stronger than the other person, right? And the ability to produce force, which we call strength, the ability to produce force is a neurological function. Um, our muscles, um, all right, so you're going to get an anatomy lesson. You didn't know this, but you are. Um, <laughs> I probably need it. <laughs> okay. So have, have you ever, um, think about like a massive braided rope, Okay. right? And so you have like the one rope is a singular rope, but within that rope, you have all these tiny little fibers. If you cut it in a cross section and you looked at it sideways, you'd see all these tiny little fibers, right? Mm -hmm. That's what our muscles look like, right? It's not just one big solid block. Like we have muscle fibers, um, that, kind of create that cross-section look, look, right? Um, all of our muscle fibers are innervated by motor units. So we have this motor unit, which is what we would kind of call a gross nerve bundle that attaches to these motor fi uh, muscle fibers, right? So uh, the brain is the head of the central nervous system. And you're going to say, hey, move my arm out in front of me. Right. So like you brought up UFC. So if you were, I know people can't see you doing this, but I'm going to talk you through this. And then I want the listeners to do the same thing. So um, assuming that you're not like running on a treadmill or <laughs> driving a car, like if you're safely able to do this, do it. But I want you to extend your arm out slowly as if you were throwing a punch. Right. So go ahead and do that. Right. Now you're going to do the exact same thing, but I want you to move that hand as fast as humanly possible. Okay. Like that? Okay. You, yes. You did the same thing, right? It was the same muscle groups that fired, right? But because your brain the second time said, do this faster or do this as fast as possible, you sent a, a message from your brain to those nerves uh, that you needed to recruit as many muscles as possible to produce as much force as possible, right? That second punch produced way more force than the first one because your intent was to move quickly, which required a signal that activated more nerve motor units and, and nerves and motor uh, muscle fibers, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when we go into the gym and when we train, again, like, you know, it comes down to, you know, why are we training? And so there are certain exercises that we do in the gym that are designed to build what is called rate of force production uh, or rate of force development. So we will do certain movements like plyometrics. Everybody knows box jumps because you've seen them on YouTube, right? They're not, we don't do box jumps so that we can get on Instagram or YouTube. We do box jumps so that we can focus on uh, a very fast descent and an even more rapid turnaround. It's called the amortization phase. The turnaround between down and up, we want that to be as quickly, uh, to be performed as quickly as possible so that we're training force production and we're exploding up as quickly as possible. Same thing with like a speed bench press or, or a speed deadlift, speed squats, anything that we're doing that, you know, you see the word speed in front of it, power cleans um, or, or cleans of any of the Olympic movements. Um, they're done specifically to train our bodies to produce force as quickly as possible. 
that has carryover both in terms of showing off speed, uh, but it also comes across as power, right? And so power is um, force over time, right? So if I can deadlift 500 pounds and you can deadlift 500 pounds, but it takes me two seconds to do it, it takes you one second to do it, who's more powerful? I'd say you, or it take, the person that takes less time to do it. Right. Right. I'm, I'm producing 250 pounds of force per second. Okay. Right? And I'm doing it in a you're second. Produ- and you're doing 500 pounds a second. So you're producing more power. Right. Okay. Right. Because we both did the same work. We moved the same weight over the same distance, right? That's work, but you did it in half the time. You produced more power. Hmm. Right. And so it's, it's all terminology. Language is everything. Right. And this is another one of those things that gets lost in, in the world of the internet today where, you know, people are throwing around. It's just like when you abbreviate keto and you don't know, well, does this guy mean, you know, producing ketones? Does he, is he talking about being in ketosis? Is he talking about a ketogenic diet? Like, right. And the same thing with like strength. And a lot of times, like we say, like, well, farm strong. Well, that's just because like the person has developed a lot of strength without necessarily going to a gym, right? Which right. we can do, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I, hopefully that gives you some insight into what you're asking. Uh, I just what, what brought it up is my buddy was moving something the other day, and he so he called this guy that, um, that is super stacked and like goes to the gym and he just looks like a bodybuilder. And uh, my buddy doesn't really go to the gym anymore, um, and he's like, pick up pick up your side and so he did and he picks up his side and the, the guy that goes to the gym all the time could barely pick up his end and he's like why are you having a problem with this like you're yeah, yeah. so i was just like curious i'm like there's got to be a difference yeah. you know well yeah. and, and i mean that's just just because you look strong doesn't mean you are strong like there's a difference between show and go yeah well uh that i and i i know this is probably way, i know this is way over simplistic and this is getting into like the jre joe rogan experience um mind train of thought but like there's a reason there's got to be a reason like a, a monkey can rip off your freaking arm <laughs> right and he's smaller than you are but yet like their their muscles are way stronger than our muscles and i'm like I'm, i've always been fascinated just by how can such a small animal produce that much more strength than a human even though they're smaller so i don't know if there's any answers you have any of those <laughs> answers but i don't know the answer to that, but it has to have something to do with uh you know the, the nervous system <laughs> That that and le- that and with a monkey, it's that and leverage and yeah, how leverage. how their how their you know their muscles are connected yeah. to their bones and things like that. But <laughs> you think about you think about you know you're asking about farm strength. You think about what a farmer does every day, right? Yeah, that he's he's pulling fence, he's grit, you know, he's gripping, he's do- using yeah. tools. They're lifting hay bales. They're doing all of this stuff repetitively over years and years and years. You know, but it's but it's a broad range of movements. It's not curls. It's not bench presses. It's not you know. It's none of that stuff. And so you know, while you know, some guy that that you know bench presses you know three hundred twenty five pounds, maybe you know he can do that, and that farmer couldn't do that. But I mean, I tell you what, that grip strength, you know, and to to twist or to pull fence or something like that, that farmer is going to kick his butt every time. All right, you know. So that's that's the thing. Like you think about what the the day to day life of a farmer or rancher looks like, you know, and and the different planes in which they have to to generate force, and all of a sudden, like you know, in one particular plane, he might not be as strong or stronger than someone else, but in all those planes, you know, and that's as a system he's going to be greatly stronger. Yeah. You know, that even, totally makes even sense. Even though he looks like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've never, I've never been built like 
Ryan has, I've, I've always been a smaller frame kind of guy, and I don't want to do the work that would take like to, to get as big as Ryan, but I, I definitely have, I've seen and heard guys that have, have gotten too big for the mountains, too much muscle, because it takes a lot of fuel to, to, to feel those muscles. And I'm like, what, so what do you guys suggest is the happy medium between the amount of muscle versus actual functionality and, and real world applications? Is there over muscular, over muscular guys out there that, that I don't know. I mean, there's got to be a, a point of diminishing returns when you're talking about real world functionality in the mountains. No question. No question. Yeah. yeah and that, and that goes back to, to your purpose and, and, and the function of it. And yeah, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I am muscular as muscular as I am because I spend time doing the things I want to be doing. And that requires a certain level, a certain baseline of, of, of muscular mass and, and certainly muscular function. Right. And so I don't spend time in a gym doing single muscle motions. I, I don't, I hardly go to the gym at all. I do what I do and I do it hard. And, and for me, that's a natural and, and I eat well, and I have, I work on my mindset and I work on recovery. So all those things, that's why that's the beauty of what we're talking about in the media of this course is because, you know, you can spend all your time focused on trying to, you know, build muscle or build strength or whatever it is. Right. And if you don't have these other things in, in place, you know, you're, you're just not going to maximize your potential. So for, for me, it, it's not about, you know, I, I don't, I don't intentionally try to build specific muscles, right? I, I do what I do, you know, because I want to be able to do what I do for a long time. And, and that, that is going to take a certain amount of muscle mass and a certain amount, certain type of muscle function. So it's really, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's all about purpose. And a lot of those guys, I think you see that, that have, you know, quote unquote, too much muscle or too, too much mass. Their, their, their focus is on something different. They're, they're, you know, whether they, whether it's important to them to look good or do a particular, you know, they're, 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 they're thinking about, you know, going to the gym as a specific thing, you know, and not necessarily plugging that into what they need their functionality to be. I think that's a really good yeah. point. And, and, um, you know, to, to speak to that, I've never had that issue. None of my buddies have, but at the same time, I like looking good. I mean, and I feel more confident. I feel better. I, you oh, know, right. I mean, every, everything just gets better when I feel more confident about myself. And that kind of just leads into, um, the mental aspect of everything. But before we switch into that, Ryan, were you about to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I have a, a strength coach um, that, that I read, or there is a strength coach that I read, and I, I really enjoy his work. His name is Dan John, and he has a quote that he says, the goal is to make sure that the goal remains the goal. Hmm. And <laughs> if, if you can follow that, it actually makes total sense, right? And he says, you know, look, if I train a shot putter, our goal is to throw the shot further, to put the shot further, right? And at the end of our training cycle, if he or she doesn't throw it further, we failed, right? So it doesn't matter if he can bench more or squat more or power clean more. If they can't throw the shot further, something went wrong, right? And so, you know, again, we'll go back to why are you in the gym? Why are you training? What is the purpose of your fitness regimen? And you know, to, to your question of, you know, is there, um, yes, yes, there is a certain threshold beyond which somebody is carrying too much muscle. Um, is it possible to quantify that as a blanket statement? No. 
Um, and so, you know, now it becomes like, hey, we've got to take some personal responsibility and ask ourselves that question of, you know, how is my performance? Can I go? Am I covering this terrain uh, in the way that I like to or know that I can? And like you said, you're spot on that, you know, muscle is metabolically active. And, and if we have to haul this stuff around in the mountains, it's difficult. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys that are going to say, you know, the less muscle, the better. Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm going to tell you that I want as much strength and force production capability as I can take out there. I, I will err on the side of being more capable and err on the side of being an asset, not a liability. Um, you know, and to that, I mean, you know, I'm only lifting once a week. You've seen, you have access to the program. You see the program that's in the course. I lift on Thursdays, mm-hmm. on Mondays and Tuesdays and Fridays and Saturdays. I am, I have a pack on my back and I'm climbing mountains. I'm either doing step ups or running. I'm doing a long run or I'm doing more step ups. Like, there's not a lot of weightlifting in there. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think any size that I have is, is residual from, you know, my past, right. My, my background in, you know, bodybuilding and, and owning a gym and look, I'll, I'll tell anybody, like I'm a meathead. And I say that affectionately, like I love lifting weights. I was the guy, and I've made this joke several times before that first elk hunt with Mike, I was the guy that said anything over eight reps is cardio. And if you see me running, you really? better run too. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I had completely, completely done a U-turn on the way that I uh, structure my my fitness and, and my gym time. Uh, I mean, and it's actually, I shouldn't even call it gym time. Cause like I said, I'm, I don't, like, we have stuff at our house. I don't go to the gym. I, I lift at the house and, you know, and I run, I go to a state park, I climb mountains, I'm on the Appalachian trail, you know, whatever. Um, and, and I made that shift because I wanted to be better at, you know, hunting out West. And, and so that's, you know, I've said this several times, but why are you training? What are you doing? Uh, so the goal is to keep the goal, the goal. I, I love how you said that. Cause when I go to the gym, I, um, I'm just so, I don't know. Obviously that saying's a saying for a reason, because when I go to the gym, I immediately start having goals to do certain things at the gym. Like I'm going to lift this much on this exercise. And then that has nothing to do. Like, <laughs> like for example, bench, we keep going back to bench. Um, I always try and do three sets of 10 at 135. That's like my standard, you know, I'm doing good today. If I can do that, if I can't do that, something's going on. But why, like, why do I even have that as a goal? If it doesn't literally really contribute for me to killing anything or doing being more functional out in the woods, that's just like an own like self-perceived goal I've created out of thin air, you know, like I, I don't, so I'm, yeah, maybe I just need to re rethink my whole workout and everything because I've got, I just do the same, um, not the same workout, but the same three sets of 10 on different things. Why three sets of 10? Because that's what we were taught in high school. I don't know. That's just why, why I do that. I don't know. Um, and yeah, so maybe I just need to, that's a really good quote for, I know for me, um, being inspective on what I do, that's that, that definitely exposes some thought process errors on, on my end when I go to the gym. All right, so I'm I'm in a really good mood, and Mike might kill me for this because we're, we're both <laughs> really busy right now. But I'm going to give you the same offer we gave Trent last year, and we got you. So okay. you want to try keto? You want to you want to get some metabolic flexibility going on? Uh, you want to get your 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 gym stuff dialed in? Like 
we got you. So okay. we'll, we'll talk afterwards. We'll stay in yeah. touch. And you, you're you're going to get the special it's that treatment. bad. Huh? <laughs> um, so I want to be, while we still have a little bit of time here, are you guys still doing okay on time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, while we still well, have, or go ahead. One thing I wanted to kind of just, just make this point here, Garrett, before we move on, you know, keep in mind that, that, um, you know, and a, and a lot of guys have this, right. They'll, they'll think about fitness in, in such a way as, as they'll isolate it from everything else. Okay. Like I, I want to, you know, I want to get better at elk hunting. I want to go, you know, and, 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 and hiking into the back country and, and, and kill an elk way, you know, 10 miles back, whatever. And so I'm going to do this fitness program. And, and the, that is to, to, to the detriment of, of, of every other piece of this that we're talking about. Right. So, any, any fitness plan you decide to do that, that you can think of that as, as, you know, maybe 15 to 20% of, of what's going to actually get you to what you, you know, to where you want to be and, and get you your, your, your physiological functionality that you want. Right. So, you know, nutrition and recovery and mindset are, are really intrinsically connected to that. You, you are never going to maximize anything you do, regardless if it's in the gym or hiking up mountains or farming or whatever it is. If you don't, you know, have, ha, you know, have some attention on, you know, how you're fueling your body around those workouts and around just everyday life, you know, how you're recovering from those, because like, you know, like Ryan said, the, the, the gains don't happen in the gym. They happen at, they, they happen during sleep. They happen during that recovery phase. And that's, you know, how many, how many guys, you know, think about like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and train, but then I'm going to go home and get some really, really good sleep. So it, so it has the best effect, right. <laughs> or I'm going to go home and, and I'm going to eat, you know, this great grass fed grass finished steak, you know, because that is going to positively affect what I do in the gym. Like how many guys, you know, that do that, do that. I don't know very many, you know, and that's, and, and I'm also, okay. Like I, I'm not feeling motivated to go to the gym and train today. I, I don't feel good. I don't have the energy. Well, hmm, what did I eat? Right. How many guys make that connection? And that it's all connected. Hmm. So that's a really, you know, I think that's a critical point for people to hear is like, like guys get focused on, you know, I got to go to the gym. I got to, I got to do my training. I got to work out, you know, and, and maybe a little bit of thought to what you're eating, whatever, but, but that's just kind of in isolation when none of this stuff works as well as it could in, in isolation. That's why we want to give, and that's why this course gives. And that's why we, we, you know, talk so much about all of it. It's not just one piece. It's the, the course is designed to, to really speak to that. It's, it's, it's all works together. And so even if you did, you know, 10% of each module, if you're doing, you know, 10% of each module, you're getting a little bit of all of it. And so that's going to have greater impact than doing a hundred percent of one module. That's really interesting that you said, and, and encompassing the, the mindset, this has been, I mean, before the podcast started that I've talked to, uh, to, to Ryan is like, I, I'm most excited about the mindset because I, I know that I can do the work. I've done the work in the past. And I back when I was younger, I was a complete freaking savage. I didn't, it didn't matter. I would do it. It, it just – I used to fight fire. I, I could pack just as much as a, pretty much the biggest guy on the crew. It was just a mindset. And somewhere along the way, I've kind of lost that. And I think most people really struggle with the mindset aspect. Um, what uh, – first of all, before we get completely in there – not to give people an excuse or an out, but I've ran across a lot of guys, even at my age, that their testosterone levels are really freaking low. I mean, you're mm -hmm. lethargic, you're tired all the time, you know, you just don't have the drive anymore. Is that something going on with the food? I know we keep going back to food, but I feel like there's something to blame there. It's not, it's not just dudes 
not producing, you know, testosterone, there's got to be something going on there. And I'm talking, there's a lot of dudes I know that are either taking something for it or they had it prescribed to them, but you know, like, Hey man, you're low on testosterone through a doctor. Like sh- shit's going on. What's going on there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ryan's laughing and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on Mike to take this. one. <laughs> go oh man. So, so yeah, uh, we, we could, we could truly, uh, Garrett do a podcast just on this really easy, easy hour and a half. Just I would love it. to, cause no, I, no problem. it's rampant. It, yeah. it, there, I mean, it, it, a lot it, of guys yeah. I know, and yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give names cause it's not my business to tell people, but of, I'd probably say the majority of guys I know, struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so the quick and short answer is all the above, right? Really? Everything. Yeah. Nutrition, recovery, how they're working out, you know, potentially even mindset, you know, but, but really the, you know, the big ones are sleep and recovery and, and nutrition. Um, you know, and if, you know, if guys are, you know, if guys do, do some kind of workout, that's going to be helpful. I mean, lifting, lifting heavy is one of the, is one of the really, really good ways to, to increase testosterone. But if you're, if you're yeah. lifting heavy and eating crap, it ain't going to matter. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, and if you're, and if you're lifting heavy and eating crap and not sleeping, it's really not going to matter. So, you know, there's, there's all, there's, there's other things going on just environmentally that, that have an impact on our hormone, hormone levels as well. You know um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, big, it's a lot, right. Okay. But just some of the, some of the things like plastics and, you know, some of the things that, like, like the, the environmental toxins and whatnot can really affect our endocrine system uh, such that, yeah, we'll, we'll not be producing testosterone. So, so yeah, it, it's, it's a big deal. And, and that, you know, I mean, hormones are a whole other, <laughs> whole other thing, uh, but, but it's critical. And, and you're right. I mean, we, you know, um, you know, I, I will speak for myself and say, I'm, I'm addressing that personally, you know, and it makes an enormous difference in, in everything. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 51 and, um, you know, I, I always, I like to say this and I probably say it and Ryan probably sick of hearing it, but I feel, I feel better now than I ever did in, in my thirties and forties and probably most of my twenties. Really? And some of that is because I'm addressing the <laughs> testosterone part of it, but some of it's just because I'm, I'm treating myself better. I eat better food. You know, I, I, I do, you know, I approach fitness in a, in a much more sustainable, better way. Um, and I also am really, really focused on recovery. Um, that, that is such a huge piece of it. And, you know, I know it's, it's getting a little, a little airtime these days with, with, you know, the importance of sleep and whatnot, but, you know, I don't think people really understand, you know, how, how impactful that could be. If your sleep sucks, you're, you're going to have a hard time with anything else. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, and, and, you know, that obviously, you know, you, you know, that, that, gets into that's a little bit beyond the scope of, of, of our course because that sort of you know you need to get tested you got to have yeah. you know you got to you got to know where you're at with your with your testosterone levels and you know so that, that's not um um but but i i will say and I, and I think ryan would agree with me that that every every guy um certainly every guy probably over the age of 40 and probably most guys in general really need to know where they're at with that i mean it's a it's a critical hormone for you know a a lot of different things yeah i mean i've suspected myself of it because when i go to the gym and i and and i'm not saying i i I am or anything or not but um just being you know introspective here when i go to the gym and i lift heavy and and i'm just like yeah fuck something up like i I feel really good like i i I, i'm like i feel the testosterone flow in the day, baby. I feel it. And I'm, I'm let's go pump some more. Like I feel that. And, and when I quit going to the gym, it goes away. And I, you know, you just, you just walk around your shoulders or you, you just feel like, yeah, you feel good. And, and, um, I like feeling like that. It feels like you're just, it just feels like better. It just like you're better. And it just seems like everything else gets better 
when I go to the gym and I and I'm like, and yeah, absolutely. When I'm lifting heavy or I'm bench pressing or deadlifting, like when I'm doing something really, really, really physical and and I'm exerting a lot of energy into it. Usually, it's lifting or pressing something. Um, I I just get that mentality and that feeling and, and not cocky, but it just really just everything clicks. Really confident. Um, you know, the drive comes back, everything comes back. And that's why I'm like, I wonder if I suffer from it or if I'm just being like a lazy piece of shit when I'm not going to the gym and I'm beating myself <laughs> up, you know, like, but you know, it's just, you know, yeah. and, and I don't know. I just, I think before we get into the mindset, that's something that if a lot of guys like, um, I've got friends my age that they don't even want to, you know, chase their wife around the house anymore. It's like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, that's, mm-hmm. I don't think that's normal something's going on there. Like you should definitely, um, be more interested in that area. And, and I just, I'm not a doctor, but I'm like, that shit's not normal, man. Like there's no reason you should be going to bed at nine. Like my wife keeps me up till 1130 almost every night. And then I'm allowed to go to bed and you know, like she's a night owl and therefore I'm a night owl. And, um, it's just, it's just different. It's just different. It's just seeing all the dynamics. And as we all get, you know, into our thirties, guys are start slouching off, slumping off, falling off, you know, losing drive and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, yeah. Like, like you're saying, it's, it's, I think it's rampant and it sounds like it, maybe it is. Yeah. Even in your thirties, your early thirties. Yeah. 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 And a lot of that has to do with, with, well, food, uh, stress and, and lack of sleep. Um, and, and, you know, sort of environmental, you know, tossing things in plastic and things and there, there's some chemicals that can affect it pretty profoundly as well. So you're Ryan, Ryan, jump in here, man. I know you're dying to talk about this too. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, just, I think, um, I, I was going to say something about lifestyle interventions and then Garrett throughout, you know, stop being a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> you know, so, um, but you know, it's, I, I, Mike alluded to, you know, we, we kind of have two, at least two categories of factors that are playing into what you're seeing, Garrett. And, and it's, you know, one is environmental. Um, a lot of that is out of our control, but then there are also a lot of things within that category that we can control. You know, if you use, and again, we can do a whole podcast on this stuff, but, you know, real quick, um, if you use plastic, um, like Tupperware or plastic, you know, reusable dishes, um, and you're putting them in the dishwasher, um, you know, that high heat can be leaching plastics and, and you can be getting, you know, estrogens from, you know, those plastics really? and be throwing off your endocrine system. And, oh, um, so, so there's a, a really good book by a guy named Dr. Anthony J called estrogenics or, or estrogenification. I, I forget the name of it, but, um, I'll, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. We can put it in the show notes if you want. Yeah, cool. Um, but you know, he talks about like 11 different, you know, things to look into there. And so, there's a lot that, that we can do that's going to, yeah, it's going to require some work on our end. Right. But you know, if you're a bow hunter, if you're choosing to, to hunt with a bow and arrow instead of a, uh, a rifle, and I'm assuming people are because you know, your podcast is called on point, right? Like you, you're already saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm opting into, you know, making some difficult choices, you know, because I believe that this is the way, you know, either things should be or the way that I want things to be. Right. And you know, you may have to make some, some changes. Um, and that's, it comes down to what, what we alluded to earlier and what we're going to talk about now is, you know, decisions and, and your choices. Right. And so if you're a person that is tired of being sick and tired, um, and you want to exhaust the lifestyle intervention choices, the things that are in your control first, 
before you seek, you know, pharmaceutical intervention, um, you know, then, you know, let's make all the lifestyle changes first, right? Let's, let's uh, stop getting bombarded with estrogens, you know, from plastics. Let's stop exposing ourselves to, you know, all these environmental hazards. Let's make sure that you are sleeping eight hours a night, that you're not eating like a child, right? If you're an adult, eat like an adult. If you don't know how to do that, call us, Mike and I will help you. Um, <laughs> if you're not training, if, if you're not taking care of your physical fitness, you know, let's change that. Again, if you need help, let us know. Um, and, and then if you've done all of those things and you're still feeling like something's wrong, something's not right. Yes. Go get tested. And, and like Mike said, um, I, I would even push that to maybe even earlier, uh, regardless of your age. If, if you, so here's one thing, like, I, I don't know what my testosterone was when I was 16 or when I was 18, because they don't test us for that. Right. right? It, the, the American medical system really doesn't care about that number. Um, so we don't have that data on ourselves. And so if you're 25, 20, and you want to know, just go get it tested and, and just have that as a data point, right? Because if you do go on TRT at some point later in your life, testosterone replacement therapy, um, the goal of that is to try to get back to or replicate where you were at, you know, 16, 18, whatever, right? Well, how do you do that if you don't know where, if you don't know That's what that number point. was, yeah. right? Um, and so, and testosterone is one of those numbers that it's very unique to every individual person. So, you know, Garrett, you might've been at 700 when you were 17 and I might've been at, you know, 900 and Mike might've been at, you know, a, a thousand or 1100. We don't know. Um, and so it's hard to, you know, get back to a number that you don't know what it was. And so, um, and that's why I say get tested. If you think there's something going on, get tested. And at the very least, you can have a baseline number for your own health, right? And, and so this is being proactive with your own health, um, knowing your own numbers. And if your numbers come back and, and you don't like them um, or, or they're not where they should be, there are things that you can do um, to address that. And, and, you know, like Mike, I'm, I'm addressing mine. Um, and it's been... A, a big, it's been a night and day shift for me. And, and I'm 37. Uh, I was 36 last year when I started. Um, and my T wasn't super low. It was in the 600s. Um, but I had an issue with sex hormone binding globulin, um, SHBG. Mine was double the high end of the normal range. So if the range was like I forget the range, but it was like, it, it ended, the range was like 20 to 50 and mine was like 98. Hmm. Um, and so consider that like the tax man. And so even though I was producing an adequate amount of testosterone, it wasn't getting to where it needs to go. Um, so I was having kind of the symptoms of low testosterone. Um, and, you know, I, I've been able to change that. And like I said, it's night and day difference. So, um, you know, and we can talk about some of this with, with mindset, but, you know, prior to making that shift, I was still training, but I wasn't making real progress in my training. Um, every single workout was, oh man, I don't want to do this, but I'm committed to, you know, what I do and I'm going to do it and this is going to suck and I'm just going to show up and do it and get through it. And I did, like I got through it, but it was all 
mental toughness and gritting through it. And it shouldn't be that way. Not every single workout, every single day. Now, don't get me wrong. Even now, like there's some days where like you're just going to have to suck it up and do it and you don't feel great every single day. But I'm saying if every single workout is feeling that way, like maybe something's wrong. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not trying to give guys um, an out or anything for being, you know, a lazy piece of crap that has the time that maybe – I think everybody can find the time. If you really – busy people seem to get more shit done. You ever notice that, like, than people who aren't busy? Um, and if yep. you give them something else, they're going to get that done too. It's just how efficient are you with your time? How bad do you want to do it? And what's really a priority? And so if you aren't getting these things done, I'm not saying testosterone is the reason. I'm just saying there are a lot of guys I know that have it, but and that may be something you want to look into. And with, with the mindset, you know, like you said, because um, getting into this, I want to give, I don't want to make guys that maybe are suffering with that. I want to make them feel like a piece of crap. Okay. But at the same time, I think that, like you said, you had the symptoms of it, low testosterone, but yet you were still at the gym every day because you committed to being at the gym every day. And, you know, there's a story um, just a couple weeks ago. Um, I did not want to go to the freaking gym. Like I did, I had to go upstairs, put my freaking socks and shoes on, find my workout shorts. I'm like, God damn, like I don't want to go. I'm telling myself I don't want to go as I'm getting ready to go, trying to convince myself not to. And then I'm grabbing my keys and I go out the door and I'm like, fuck, I'm going, I'll go for 20 minutes. Like I'm just going to go. And so I go and I have a really good workout. It felt really good. Halfway through it, I start, I'm like, all right, I'm glad I'm here. And then, you know, it was only about a, probably a 40 minute workout and nothing, nothing crazy or spectacular. And the girl at the counter says, well, that was a quick workout today. And I'm like, I said, and, and just, I was actually kind of proud of myself. I'm like, I'm like, I'm building the habit muscle today. And I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty good. And then I walked out, <laughs> you know, like I, I, today I'm building the habit. And, and I'm like, well, the, you know, the honeymoon phase wore off for me months ago and it lasted about two and a half to three weeks. And now like I'm having to actually grind into going to the gym more often, but I've never regretted going to the gym. And I told my wife today, she's like, should I go to the gym today? I'm like, yeah, you should go to the gym today. Um, cause you're going to regret if you don't, and you're not going to regret it if you did. And you know, she just got back from the gym when we started the podcast. And I just think honestly, and, and I told uh, Ryan, this, it's a famous quote I heard, um, many years ago that I've personally really has helped me is, you know, commitment to continuity creates that emotional stability. And basically that says, if you commit to doing something, it doesn't matter how you feel, you just go and do it. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. It becomes a habit. It's like going to, there's plenty of days that you don't feel like going to work, that you work in that nine to five job that you probably hate, that you don't get paid enough to do, that barely pays your bills, that whatever a million reasons you don't want, you still go to that job because first of all, you're forced to because you have to pay your bills, but you still do it whether you feel like it or not, right? If you treat the gym or your health or your mentality or your fitness like that, then I feel like you would be way better off. I know me personally, I'm going to say you, I mean myself. Um, many people would be way better off treating their health like that and in the gym like that. And I think that's a complete mindset and reading your guys, um, aspect of it and finding out some of the science behind it and Ryan watching, um, Ryan talk on some of the modules and stuff. I would love to hear you guys go into the kind of like the science behind the mindset. You know, why do you have those, um, you know, the, like the snake analogy that you had on there, Ryan, you know, like, Oh shit, there's a snake. 
um, versus, you know, like, oh, that pizza, like I identify with pizza. That pizza smells really good. I'm going to have a bite versus no, if I do that, I'm going to have to go backwards or, you know, work out an extra two hours at the gym. Like, can you guys dive into that and then maybe expand or elaborate on, um, my, my thoughts or anything there? Yeah. So I'll give you the science on, um, those analogies and then, um, we'll, we'll turn it over to, to Mike. Um, so the, the, the pizza analogy or, or the pizza example and the snake analogy come from, um, understanding these two competing, um, call them parallel universes that exist in all of our brains. Um, if you are a human, what I'm about to tell you is happening in your brain <laughs> all the time. Right. Um, and it, it's, it's an age old thing. It's, it's been characterized on cartoons as like the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. Right. Um, the devil is the limbic system and the angel is the prefrontal cortex. Um, the limbic system is uh, much older and it is wired for survival. It is incapable of seeing beyond the now. That is a very important distinction. It is incapable of seeing beyond the now. And it is very much like the ego-driven teenager um, or the devil on your shoulder. On the other hand, we have the prefrontal cortex. It is newer. It is more evolved. It is capable of seeing beyond the now. It is capable of con uh, complex and abstract thought. Um, that is the portion of our brain in which we can hold the concept of a god. Um, it is the portion of our brain that has language. It is a portion of our brain that, that is represented by the angel on the shoulder. It's like a wise old sage in comparison to the ego-driven teenager. Right. So if you mm -hmm. want life advice, who are you going to go talk to? Yeah. The prefrontal cortex. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, this, you know, it, it's, it's much of, uh, you know, <laughs> so in, in the example, um, that you're talking about with both the snake and the pizza, um, you know, from what I've told you already, it may sound like the limbic system is a bad thing. Um, and that's not entirely true. Um, like I said, the limbic system is older than the prefrontal cortex. It is a part of the human brain that has been around and been with us for a very long period of time. That would not be the case if it did not serve an evolutionary advantage, right? So it, it is in our species' best interest that we keep that. Um, and so an example of its speed, uh, actually, both of these examples will demonstrate its speed. The first example, the snake in the path, demonstrates how that speed can help us, right? Um, and so if, if Garrett and I are walking down a path, you know, and, and we're hot on the trail of, you know, some bull that's bugling and he's just thrown caution to the wind and he's not looking at where he puts his, you know, feet and he's like, I'm just going to go find that bull. And I see a snake, you know, two steps in front of him. <laughs> Everybody imagining this knows exactly what they would do. Uh, I, I give this example on, on stages all the time and everybody, I tell them, you know, what do you do? And everybody everywhere, you do the stop short, right? You, you reach out and you put your arm in front of the other person. And we do that because that move comes from the limbic system. It, it happens so much faster than our brains can process and then speak the words 
Garrett, stop, there's a snake, right? We're still going to say that. We're still going to do it. But by the time we get those words out, by the time you hear them, my arm is already in front of you and you've already stopped, right? Um, and then an example of that speed and how it can wreak havoc on us in our lives now is the example of the pizza um, or, or the cookie, right? So you're walking down the street and, and you smell pizza and you're like, man, that pizza smells good. Oh, I'd love to have a piece of pizza. Oh, but wait, I'm on a diet. I can't eat that pizza. Man, what's wrong with me? Why do I always crave pizza? Like, why do I want that pizza? Right. And then you go into this cycle of like judging yourself and beating yourself up. Or the same thing if like you're you're in a grocery store and you see these cookies or these donuts and you're like, oh man, those are awesome. Ah, oh, but I'm supposed to be gluten-free. Oh, what's you know, why do I always crave the things I can't have? Like blah, blah, blah. Right. And and so that that judgment and shame cycle and and spiral and all that, you know. And, and we judge ourselves for having that initial thought. And the thing that I want people to understand is that thought is completely normal. And it's just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to act on the thought. And it doesn't mean that you have to judge yourself for the thought, especially when it's completely normal and natural. Um, and, and so that's understanding the difference between the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system. We're never going to be able to avoid those limbic reactions to certain things, but we don't have to choose the devil on our shoulder. We don't have to listen to them, right? We can always choose the angel or, or whichever option best serves our goals, our values, and, and what we've said, you know, we're here to do. So with that limbic system, where would that come into play between making the decision to go to the gym and not go to the gym? Because that wouldn't be like a survival instinct or anything. That would just be kind of like a work ethic, like like a um, – I call it being a lazy piece of shit. But, you know, like where where is that the limbic system or is that yeah. just – I mean, how does that play out? The limbic system is, is the one that wants to, you know – stay warm and stay comfortable and stay cozy. It's the one that wants to hit the snooze button. The one that doesn't <laughs> want to get out of bed, doesn't want to go to the gym in the morning. Um, you know, it's, if you read Stephen Pressfield, it's, it's resistance. If you read Jocko, it's up before the enemy, right? Like he, he's, his habit muscle is, you know, getting up at so-and-so time and, and doing the workout because he's training himself to overcome resistance to, to not listen to the limbic system. Um, it's, and that's why the book is called, you know, fuck your feelings, right? You've cussed. So I'm going to follow you. It's your all lead. good, I'm man. Right. <laughs> so it was really hard for me to not say that the first time. Um, and, and so that's why the book is called that because if you want to get where you want to go in life, you're going to have to make those decisions that come from seeing beyond the now, right? Um, you know, if you want to win your next 3d archery tournament, or if you want to, you know, be a better hunter. If you want to bench 365, whatever the thing is that you want to do, you want to be an Olympic athlete, you're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to do things in the short term that suck. You're going to have to go run in the rain. You're going to go, you're going to have to go climb a mountain and post hole through some snow. You're going to have to do the things that you don't want to do in the short term in order to get to where you want to be long term. Um, and, and that means choosing, you know, with the prefrontal cortex, with advanced kind of thinking, not emotionally based, you know, feelings driven thoughts. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's where it comes into play. And that's why the book is called what it is. So yeah, I would be interested in, in, in as we, as we were getting ready to wrap up here, I'd be interested in hearing, um, you know, more about your book real quick. If you want to give yourself a um, quick shout out. 
Oh man. Um, yeah. I, it, thank you. Um, so I, I mean, the book, like I said, it's called fuck your feelings and, um, it, it is my attempt to provide a user's manual for what, you know, this thing is on our shoulders to, to understand what's happening between our ears. And, um, you know, I, I, as I said, in the bio portion, you know, the, one of the reasons that I left the gym was I was tired of writing diets for people. I was tired of giving people programs and, 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 you know, people come to me and say, Hey, like, you know, I, I, I want to, I don't want to say I was tired of doing it. I, I, I enjoyed doing it, but if you come to me and you say, Hey, Ryan, I want a college scholarship to play football. I'll do whatever it takes. And then I start showing you the path and you're like, well, right. You know, and I see you the next day and I'm like, well, did you eat your meals? Well, you know, I didn't have time to food prep or, you know, my mom didn't go to the grocery store, you know, like you got to take, and some of this is like educating young kids and, and, you know, some of them get it. Some of them make those steps, but I'm, I'm just giving you some examples of, you know, the transition away from the gym and into this space for me was more rewarding because it gave me the opportunity to have conversations that I couldn't have in the gym, right? When you're running the gym, people are in there because they want the workout. They don't want the lecture, right? Um, you know, they want to leave with the workout effect. So I didn't have the opportunity to really help people the way that I think I can most help them. Um, which was, you know, yeah, I can give you a program. But if you're the type of person that's going to do the program and, and like have zero deviations, like you don't need that extra stuff from me. Right. Um, and if you need the extra stuff from me, I can't give it to you in that setting. So, um, you know, the book was a, a way to be able to provide that information to people that needed the information to then be able to go follow whatever the program is, whether it's diet or fitness or build a business or write their own book or start their own podcast or, you know, whatever your dream is. Hmm. Well, I, I, and I know what you're saying is, is it rings true? Cause I used to give drum lessons. And when you're saying like, I'm, I'm not tired of giving, you know, people dieting advice or whatever, but like when I gave people drum lessons, they wanted, they wanted to do all the sexy things on the drums, the fills, the double bass, like they wanted to do all that stuff. And the very first I, I thing is show me uh show me a paradiddle, show me your, you know, show me your doubles, show me all this stuff. Like don't, we're not even touching the drum set today. Just show me what you can do on this little pad. And if you, you know, like that's not sexy hitting a little pad about that big with drumsticks and then just playing little drummer boy on it. That's not sexy. That's not fun. But basically what you're talking about to me, re relaying it in my head is you're talking about like the it's all about the foundation and what you're building your foundation on basically it is and that's why mindset is so important to to mike and i and and why we talk about it so much in the course and and, and on these podcasts and you know if you want to like let's just take nutrition for example it, it doesn't matter what diet i give you it doesn't matter if it's bodybuilding or paleo or keto or you know carnivore it, pick it it doesn't matter if you don't go to the grocery store, if you don't do the food prep, if you don't pack your food and take it with you, you're not, it's, I can't remember the exact phrase of that quote, but it, you know, you're not committed to the consistency. You're not doing the thing, right? You got to do the thing. We can roll out the red carpet for you with a training program or a diet or, you know, whatever. But if you don't follow it, if you don't do it, it doesn't matter. 
Right. Well, it's just like most like everybody makes New Year's resolutions and, and all the people that I talk to, like people in your guys' areas are like, dude, I hate New Year's resolutions because you're, you're, it's just, there's nothing, it's just tied to the beginning of the year. There's, that's, that's your, that's what you're tying it to. And that's why most people quit after the first couple weeks. Like you see how busy the gyms are the first, you know, month, two months of the year. And then they just fall off. It's just like, I just see new faces in there the first couple of weeks and then they just, they're gone. They're like, they disappear. Like, where'd they go? <laughs> it's just, they waited for the beginning of the year because that sounded like a good thing. But I mean, I just, I don't know, man. It just, it's all, they get all just to me, everything comes back to mentality and all my biggest failures and all my hiccups have all been mental thought process errors and, and, and just my weak points are always my thought process errors. It's just, it just doesn't, you know, and, and that's why I've always hit so hard on thought process and mentality is, is I know for me personally and everybody that I know, like if you could get your thought process under control, that literally, literally spills over into everything else. As far as all the successful people I've talking to, um, man, it's all about the way you think and then what you do with it. And yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, we don't have much, much time to really dig in much deeper, but, but what you just said there, um, yeah, that, that's a, that's, that's key and, and how to work with that really is connecting those thought processes and connecting, you know, what it is that you want to do to your, your deep why your, your set of values, your core values. And that's, that's really the essence of how, how to work with mindset is really, you know, everyone has a core set of values and, and, and when, you know, so making a list of those, whether it's, you know, um, whatever those values may be, I want to be a good parent. I want to be a good human. I want to be nicer or kinder, or, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to have follow through or whatever, whatever that core set of values, those most important things to you as a person. And, and, and actually, you know, the thought processes are, are, are slightly more superficial. So the more you can connect the thought processes to those core values, you know, the more successful you're going to be, right? And so, so the the, the example that that you know we, we've given in the course, Ryan and I've talked about quite a few times, is you know you're you're up in the mountains and you're and you're chasing elk and you're you know day four or five and you, and you haven't had much success and and you're you know you're hiking up that mountain again and you stop high, halfway up and you lean against a tree and you go what the hell am I doing here? I just want to quit. I just want to quit and go home. I'm tired. I feel like shit. I'm burnt out. You know, and and, and it's just not happening for me. And so, you know, what, what we always say is, listen, just take a minute, right? And and think back to like why you're doing this. What and 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 you know, it could be helpful also to think what would what would I feel like if I quit? You know, if I quit right now, I could quit right now and nothing's stopping me. No one's here making me do this. I could I could turn around and go back down this mountain, pack up my camp, get in my truck, go home and sit on my couch. How would I feel then? Right. right. And and would that be in in alignment with my values? And, and so that's how you work with, you know, at, at the essence of what we're talking about here around, around mindset and motivation and those things, that's how you work with mindset is really making those connections to your core values and your why, why are you doing this? Is it for you? You know, why, why I am, I am, I have learned so much about nutrition and all these other things is because I want to be a, 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 as good a father as I can be to my daughter for as long as I can possibly be. And that is connected to my core value. So it is easy for me then, mm-hmm. right? And so just to make another little quick connection here um, between that is, okay, you put yourself back on that mountain on day, on day four or five, you know, you're hiking up the hill and, and 
so the difference is you, you've eaten you've eaten crap for the past three days. You're drinking Red Bulls and you're eating you're eating Pop Tarts and and you're eating Snickers bars, and and you're you're getting these highs and lows in your in your insulin and in your energy, and you're just all over the place. Your mind's not working, your brain's not working well. You can't remember. You don't feel good. You're you're super burnt out. You don't have the fuel. You don't have the energy. Well. You know, you turn around and, and, and you have eaten different things. You've made different choices around your food and you might maybe eaten some more protein, a little more fats, a little fewer carbs or some slower burning carbohydrates. You know, all of a sudden your energy levels are much more stable. You're not feeling so bad. Your energy is actually, you've got some reserves in the tank, right? You can actually, you have trained your body to be metabolically flexible, like we talked about earlier. And so you have, you know, this, this a little bit of, you know, some body fat and you've got a, some extra calories in your body fat. And so you're actually feeling your brain's working better. You're, 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 you're feeling, you know, better physically. You're not quite so burnt out. And all of a sudden it becomes easier to make, to, to take a second and step back and, and, and reconnect to your values and, and then you're, and, and turn your thought processes. You know what? I'm going to get up this hill because that over that next rise could be that bull I'm looking for. You know, I get up to the top of the hill and I hear a bugle that, that I mean, that's, that's just, yeah. you know, that's how these things work. And so again, going back to all those things being connected, you know, that that's, that's, that's how it works. That's how it looks when you're actually up there in the mountains trying to perform at your best. If, if one piece is missing, you know, you, you're just not going to be performing it at the, the, the optimal level that you could be performing at. Well, Mike, listening to you talk about like, you know, your core values and all that stuff. And I'm, and I'm like, just listening to talk. I was like, well, that's prefrontal cortex. That's prefrontal cortex. Like that's all thinking ahead and long-term. And, and yeah. I guess that leads into a question is, is does, your brain transition as you get older, as your priorities shift and you're able to make more mature decisions, does the limbic system kind of take more of a backseat when you're making these decisions? Because it sounds like it's prefrontal cortex is like slang for maturity or like being mature. You know, I, I think, I mean, the, the short answer to that question is no, you can, you can leverage that thinking at any time. I just, I think that, um, you know, there, there is a, there, there is uh, something to be said for, I, I wouldn't necessarily say maturity, but just where you're at on, on a, on a, a personal level of development. Right. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't, I don't want to go to necessarily the phrase of personal development. That's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. There's, there's many, many books written on that subject, but, but um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, you know, connecting, connecting your thought processes to those core values, you know, takes a little bit of introspection. It takes a certain kind of mindset in and of itself and a certain maturity, but uh, you know, it's not really a matter of age from my perspective. Like I've seen 20 year olds that are, that are, you know, that, that can do those, do those things and make those decisions, you know, based on, you know, forward thinking, you know, it's really a matter of, of, of what you care about. If, if you, you know, and, and that's why I think it's such a great exercise. And we, and we go through this a little bit in the course is to really, you know, suss out and, 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 you know, maybe even write down a list of your core values, like sit down and take, you know, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and just make a list and, and really connect with that. Like, what are my, what do I believe in? You know, who do I want to be as a human being? You know, and from that list, that list gives you so much power because then you can, then you can, you have a, that, that sort of creates this, um, this framework by which you can live by, you know, and, and, and aspirationally, even if you've got these, these, you know, I, I want to be this kind of human being, you know, now you have a framework, you have an actual, you know, uh, thing you can put on your wall or on your refrigerator and go, you know, and, and when you have a heart, when you're, when you're facing a tough decision, you can, you can look at that and go, are these in alignment with my core values? And there is so much power in that. Hmm. 
I think that's that's a yeah. I mean, just listening to you talk there, I'm just thinking of all of all the things like I've gone through and maturing and and I it totally makes sense because there's been points in my life where I was like you said all forward thinking and then I'll um you know maybe be done with that endeavor and I'll just kind of go back to living life. I I call it by like living life by accident with no really no intent or purpose and you just kind of like going to your job going to work, coming home, repeat, wash, r- wash and rinse. And then the weekend comes and there goes three years, you know, like what mm-hmm. the hell happened? And then, I don't know, just, it just, it just seems like by default, if you're living life with a, with a purpose and you have core values and you have them written down and you have like any company, like a mission statement, you're automatically kind of going to that prefrontal cortex area of your brain. And mm-hmm. you're just accessing that one on a more regular basis than you are with somebody living life um, on accident by their limbic system basically is w- the way that I'm going to refer to it as. And maybe that's oversimplistic, yeah. but I just, I think way too many people are living life by their limbic system. It sounds like. Yeah. But you'll be real happy to have it. If you stumble upon a grizzly bear, <laughs> right. <laughs> or yeah. a snake in a yeah. trail or, 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 or the pizza. I think the pizza is a great, a great example because that's not as obvious. It's not as obvious as a grizzly bear or a snake. You know, it, 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 it our body knows, like it knows that it's going to satisfy certain things. It's going to satisfy, you know, a craving for, t- for really good taste. It's going to satisfy our, you know, a need for a quick, easy fuel source. But if we think about it deeper and from a perspective of what we want out of our lives, if we want to be, you know, to live a long time or, you know, to be good parents or for our brain to work well or to avoid Alzheimer's or to go hunt elk in the woods, you know, we're going to then, you know, create a little bit of space between our, desire, our desires in the immediate and our what we want long-term, what we, who we want to be as a human. And I want to be healthy and I want to live a long time. And I want to be, you know, I want to be able to do these things with, with, with my kid. And I want to, you know, I want my memory to be good. And I want, you know, all those things tend to be more important than, and, and sometimes they're not, you know, and that's cool too. Like I'll, I'll eat a piece of, you know, I'm not going to eat, you know, Domino's, but I go out and I have, you know, a pizza once in a while. There's a really good, you know, restaurant in Bozeman here. And my wife and I like to go on a date night and I'll have a glass of wine and a pizza. And it's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. We're not saying don't ever do that, but, it, but I have a choice and that's really what it comes down to is you, you have, when you have that set of core values really defined, that allows you choice, you know, that knowledge that, you know, who do I want to be? How do I want to live? You know, and, and there's so much freedom in those choices. It's not really restrictive. You're not, it's, it's not that you're not, you're, you're disallowing yourself from having the pizza is that I am choosing to be a better father. I am choosing to live a longer life. I am choosing to be healthier in the long run. I am choosing to be able to perform better in the mountains, you know, and, and, and go kill that bull that I'm dreaming of. You know, that's, that's a choice that I'm making in this moment. Right. Well, as we're wrapping this thing up there, Ryan, is there anything else that you'd like to add? And I, I just, <laughs> all of it is so good. Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, Garrett, you just talk about that as like your oversimplification of it, but I think you're spot on. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm excited that you have that grasp of it this quickly and can communicate it in your own words that accurately. Um, so I, I'm, I love that. I love hearing that. And, and I'm pumped that you get it and, and that you're at that place with it. And I think, you know, just to build on what Mike was saying, I mean, it's, it is, it's, everything is a choice. And, you know, my hope for you going forward is that 
you can take what you've just simplified and use that as a filter or a screening process as you're faced with any choice or any decision going forward, right? And, and that's what our hope is for, for everybody listening and for people that go through the course, you know, that we can provide that mental framework for, you know, how to make better decisions or, or, or how to make decisions that, you know, are more aligned with your goals, your values, that version of you that you want to be so that you can live life on purpose. And I know that sounds woo woo and, and personal development and, right. you know, so, so right. be it, right? Like, you know, we, we want to help people be better humans. And, you know, if they're also end up being elk hunters or, you know, Western bow hunters, like, yeah, we definitely, we love that. And we want to be better at that ourselves. And we want to help you be better at that too. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we say personal development when, you know, and rabbit ears and stuff, but man, I spent, there's four years of my life where I spent reading the books and talking and listening to the, you know, I, I did that whole, I, I spent four years doing that. I probably read close to 20 books on it. And, and, um, you know, I was just all about trying to better myself for a long time and, and getting around more successful people and, you know, talking to guys that were, I wanted to be at in 30 years and just, and it's just kind of funny. All of them had the same, you know, the same mentality. All of them were very so similar and, and just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's cliche because it's common among the guys that are uncommon, you know, the mentality, I mean, and I don't know, I just, Guys, yeah. I don't know how to how to articulate that, but I can just say that success principles, you know, they care about the work, they don't care about the person. It's like like it's not that that guy's special; it's that he did what it took. And if right. somebody else does what it takes too, and you go to the gym five days a week, you're not not going to see results, right? You're not that freaking nature. I mean, I don't know. You're not you're not so special enough to where if you don't do the work, you're not going to see the results. <laughs> So I, I've, like I said, guys, guys can bash on the, on the, on the self-help and all that, but I, I've been there. I've done all of, all, all, I've I've read a lot of the books, man. And I can tell you that doing the work, like you guys talk about and and the commitment and, and, and making the choices that we all are given and knowing that, knowing you gave me a big piece of the puzzle, the limbic versus the, um, the prefrontal cortex thing. I now know that that's just a part of me. That's a part of nature and that I am going to never not going to battle that. I just have to actually master it. And so that to me, that's just like, that's my new, that's my new nemesis. That's my new adversary that I, that I get a battle every day and I'm not going to let him win anymore. You know, like to me, that's, that's the way my brain works. So that to me, that was worth just that little piece right there was worth. There's a lot more than that in the podcast, but that little nugget right there <laughs> is going to, is going to make a big difference in my, I know my, my <laughs> perspective in my life. So, well, and let me give you one more thing to add to that, what you just said, um, because you're not alone in that. And we're all going to face that every single day. Um, and I think some people, again, I know that because I work with a lot of people that judge themselves for having to, in their mind, having to face that battle every single day um, or you know, when will I ever get to the point where this isn't a thing? Right. And the answer is never like we're all like, there'll be some days where like you win without really even realizing that you played. Hmm. Uh, and those are great days, but it, it's a spectrum and we're all somewhere on that spectrum every single day. And there's a great quote that I saw recently. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Stephen Pressfield's work. Um, and he actually has a book called do the work. Um, and, uh, and he has this quote, I forget what book it, it's from, um, but he says, he refers to, you know, 
I mentioned it earlier, but he refers to that battle as, as the war against resistance. So he has personified uh, that thing, right? And he calls it resistance, right? Resistance is going to be there every single day. And he's like, you know, it's never going to not be there. Imagine, um, you have to think of it as the villain in any movie, right? And imagine any superhero movie. If there were no villain, there'd be no movie, right? Right. So, you know, think about it that way, too. Uh, and, and I think, again, like that's just it's another little reminder that, you know, just like with the limbic system, it's part of you. There's nothing wrong with you for having that initial reaction. There's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us for battling resistance. It's just part of life. Hmm. Well, I think that's I, I, I think that hopefully that helps other people like like it's like I, like it's going to help me because I know that. Now that I know that I have my own little nemesis that I have to battle, my you know my villain or whatever you want to call it, however you want to personify it, um, it's 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 easier to it's easier to battle something that you can picture, right? Like I'm yeah. a very visual guy, and if I can like see this like little dude in my head, like I'm gonna beat the shit out of you today, you're dude, not gonna make give, one decision it, for me. Give it a name, thinking for myself, picture, like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> right. The the more you can create it into like a concrete like thing a tangible thing yeah yeah you just just go to war with that thing yeah so well i appreciate your guy uh your 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 guys time i didn't know we were going to go two hours so hopefully i didn't keep you <laughs> over or anything but i mean it went quick for me and and yeah. uh i i really um i've done a lot of studying and testing online for you know licenses and exams and you know insurance and ce and all that crap and and, you know, a lot of high dollar stuff through a lot of different training programs for my job. And I can tell you that your guys stuff was was very well put together. Um, you know, the videos definitely helped because I'm a very visual guy and just being able to watch Ryan talk on there um, definitely helped me a lot. But it was a very easy to understand course. You, you know, you broke it down into pizza, which I'm a pizza guy. I love pizza. And uh, I hate snakes, and so I was, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was just a very good course, and um, being able to print stuff out in PDFs and write down, like if you put something on paper, immediately you have a better chance of success in my like if you write something down, it's more tangible and it's it's going to stick more. Um, and like you guys have you guys have all of it. I mean, all the elements are there to have a really good course, and I and I appreciate you guys um, coming out with that. And if anybody. Um, wants to check it out, would you be willing to give them some, some places to go do that or some addresses or Instagram handles of your guys's? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our website is just uh, fuel, fuel, the pursuit.com. Um, our, our Instagram is we're, we're fairly active on there is, is uh, fuel, the pursuit underscore. Um, and you know, that people can email us with, with questions or comments or anything. Um, we're, we're, we, we try to really stay in touch with people as much as possible and, you know, on there every day. So, and that's, uh, just fuel the pursuit at gmail.com. So yeah, any of those are, those are great ways to reach us. And we're, we're working on a lot where we've got a, we've got a lot still to come. Um, the course is just sort of the initial thing. Um, you know, stay, stay tuned in the fall. We're, we're looking at, um, uh, creating some, some meals, uh, to sort of go along with what we're, what we're talking about as far as the nutrition aspect. So, um, some, some pre-dried backpacking meals that are going to be super legit. They're going to be really, really good. Um, and, and really good fuel. Um, nothing, nothing like them on the market right now. So good. Good. I, we talked about that earlier and I'm a foodie and I'm, if you can make it easy for me to eat, right. Then, 
that is worth its weight in gold right there. Well, I, I'm a chef and Ryan's a nutritionist, <laughs> so uh, we got a pretty good go. combo going. Just, you might say we know a thing or two about how to fuel and, and how to make it taste good. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, because yeah, I, I can tell you there's a lot of stuff out there on the market, but if you eat it for two, three days straight, you know you ate it for two or three days straight. Yeah, that's yeah, you know, exactly like, right. Like so. Mike said, the course is uh, – it, it's, it's our initial – uh, way of, of helping this community that, that we feel like we're a part of and, and that we love so much. But the real, the real thing is going to be the food. And uh, we're really excited. This year is going to be, you know, limited run. Um, so like Mike said, and, and actually, you know, stay tuned before the fall because you got to order it. But we're going to be doing pre-orders. And since it is a, a limited run, uh, you're going to want to order it sometime in the summer. And, okay. uh, and we, we'll get them delivered by hunting season. Um, and yeah, it's uh, hopefully each year going forward, we're able to, to scale up and do more and more. But yeah, we're really excited about that side of it. If you guys have anything pizza flavored or chicken Alfredo flavored, <laughs> send, it, send it my way. <laughs> I'll have to work on a keto pizza. That could be a little challenging, man. We'll, we'll see what we can do. There we go. Really interesting. <laughs> but uh, when you guys get that ready to launch, we'll have to have you back on here to talk about what you got. Right. And, and um, That'd be awesome. You guys yeah, were great awesome. guests, man. I learned a ton and, and hope I didn't ask too many silly questions for you guys. No, not at all. <laughs> no, not at man, all. Not at all. But do you guys have an Instagram handle? I don't think you guys gave that. Oh yeah, that was, it's just uh, fuel the pursuit underscore is our Instagram underscore. Yep. Okay, yep. perfect. All right, well I I appreciate you guys' time, Mike and Ryan, and and um, I'm sure I'll have you back on in the future, and then I wish you guys the best of luck in the in the future. Thanks, Garrett. Awesome. We we, we Thanks, appreciate Garrett. being on and having this great conversation. No problem. Really, really good. Yeah, man. All right, guys, that's this episode of the podcast. Be sure to go check out Ryan and Mike at Fuel the Pursuit. I'll have some links down below. And uh, if you guys uh, like this episode, be sure to leave a review. And if you want, you can get a hold of me on Instagram. If you have any questions or comments or ideas, anything, you can always email me or private message me on Instagram. This is the quickest way. But you can also email me at GarrettWeaverHunts at gmail.com. Um, whatever is on your mind, whatever you guys need, I'm usually really, really quick to respond, especially on Instagram. It seems to be the quickest one uh, for me personally. But I will answer your guys' emails, I promise. So outside of that, I appreciate you guys listening. I'll see you on the next one. Bye.